0: 23 of Super Nerd pal 24 of Super Nerd Pals Your weekly conversational podcast About video games, comics, and everything else I'm your host, Andy And you can find me on Twitter At SweetJustice1 That's O-N-E Here with me today as always is Stan Hello And you can find Stan on Twitter at Stan Doom Doom, Doom. Doom As in Dr. Doom And today, again not so. Again. Not so, Again. Uh, <laughs> Again he's okay. still here. Oh god, he's yeah,
1: back! Make
0: him leave. The old, the, oh god, he's back! Chris Samson.
1: Oh yeah, what up, guys? Find him
0: on Twitter at ko ninja for hire. That's K Y O. What up, guys? What up? I feel like we recorded an episode like four days ago because we totally did. Yeah. Right, we did. Yeah.
1: It was a nice one. It was two hours long and uh, full of Arkham. It was great. All of the night,
2: the Batman night. I am the night. Vengeance.
0: Batman! Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Vengeance! So, how are you, how's your uh, week's. Batman! <laughs> Stan's still Batman. <laughs> That's
2: my Batman impression.
0: When I asked Stan if he was ready. well, you scrubbing, course, boys? Are he you still You're... done scrubbing, scrubbing the footage? <laughs> footage! Alfred! <laughs>
2: Get me my milk. I'm busy.
0: Okay. <laughs> How have your uh, recent four days been, guys?
2: Good. Lots of news came out of Comic-Con. San, the San Diego one.
0: San Diego Comic-Con. Sem- San
1: Diego International. It's, it's been pretty exciting.
0: I wish I could have won.
2: Me too.
1: Me three. I was
0: at like, work all weekend like, fuck, I could have been in San Diego right now. But no. Gotta make a living.
1: Got, gotta, gotta make money. GameStop doesn't understand, right? They just, you just, you know, just tell, just, just say them San Diego Comic Con and just walk out. They'll understand.
0: Unfortunately, I don't work for GameStop. <laughs> well, fortunately, fortunately, I don't work for GameStop. Because, as everybody knows, I don't really like the GameStop. Yeah. 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 What about yours, Chris? It
1: was good. Just saw uh, lots of Comic Con news, and I finished up dog sitting, which was fun. Um and lots of writing this weekend and comics so many comics so excited to talk about it how about you Stan?
2: Uh, well, I had a nice relaxing weekend because next weekend I'll be gone. I'll be on vacation.
0: Woo! So, so next week will be the the Stanless episode.
2: Stanless episode, just you and Chris. Yeah, Hold but now
1: but Newslash guys, me and Stan are gonna meet up. We're gonna hang out. It's gonna be awesome.
2: So I have a little little lunch, little lunch date.
0: Andy, why aren't We're you in, why are you like, hi-
1: or hitchhiking with, with Stan or, or hiding out in his trunk or something like that, you know? Just
0: I wish I could, but between everything going on and like me taking uh my vacation like last month. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, you already went on vacation, so you're good.
0: Yeah. I went to Florida. That was awesome. Nice.
2: Yeah, I'll come back with D C stories, I guess. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll just be a boring, relaxing vacation.
0: So you're going to so you're going to DC Comics? I you're wish. Gonna, you're gonna be inside the comics? I you wish. You going to be in Gotham? That'd be no, a great want vacation. To
2: Gotham, actually. I wanna be in metropolis where it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> where there's where there's no real crime because fucking Superman's in the sky. As long as long as you're not like a building, you're fine. <laughs>
1: Yo, insurance companies must make mad bank, you know, in Metropolis. It's probably the same company that insures Japan with, you know, all those kaiju. And I, that I, think,
0: I think they would make bank in Gotham, too. Gotham, some shit has always blown up in Gotham. Always. Homeowner's insurance. Fucking, like,
1: car blown up,
0: Batmobile, gun.
1: Can you, I like, you like I just want to the- say, like, how many, ba- uh, uh, how many... Cars and buildings and bridges and you know just trade tracks I destroyed. Being the Batmobile, you know just, you know, it's crazy. I
2: think I think Wayne Enterprises heads an insurance company.
0: I mean, we're we're talking about the same guy who somehow in kerosene drew a fucking bat symbol on a, uh, a building and then lit it on fire,
1: and no one like, noticed. What,
0: the fuck is the, what was the thought process in his mind? This is gonna look so fucking awesome. <laughs> That's all he probably cared about.
1: He stole Uh, the idea from Daredevil.
0: (laughs) Definitely
2: did.
1: No, the crow. No, the crow. He 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 stole from the crow.
2: They're the same person. It's Ben Affleck.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. Ah, He's just recycling his ideas now. There you go.
0: Stan just destroyed the universe for me.
1: Good pull, Stan. That was great. Speaking of Daredevil and Batman,
2: Daredevil, not Daredevil, Batman and Ninja Turtles are teaming up.
1: How awesome really? is that? Yeah, yeah they are. IDW really- is um, creating a new mashup comic.
2: It's a mini series of, of turtles and Batman. I need this. I know, me too.
0: It's going it, like to be
1: so fall, amazing.
0: Polest, here I come. Yes.
1: Indeed.
2: Miniseries. series.
0: That's amazing. Teenage Mutant Ninja
2: Batman. Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Batman.
1: Turtle Power.
0: Batman
2: and a Half Show. Batman time.
0: <laughs> power.
2: And power.
1: We'll no, work on that theme song, Stan. It'll be will be fine. It'll be good.
0: We'll figure it out. We'll refine it in like the week or two. Alright, we'll we'll workshop it.
1: I just want the League of Shadows to fu- or League of Assassins to fight Shredder in the foot. That'll be so awesome. Or the or the team up and fight I Bang mean Bang.
0: Hold on, I think Raja Ghoul is way too good for Shredder. <laughs> like R- Roswell destroy Shredder in like thirty seconds and be like I'm going to throw you in the Lazarus pit, bring me back to life, and fucking murder you again. (laughs) No Uh, fucks given.
1: Shredder just takes the ooze and mixes it with the Lazarus pit stuff and becomes like a super Shredder. Like, even more so in the second movie. He can never die.
2: Batman, like, interacts with Krang. He's like, Alfred, he's a brain. I don't know what to do with this. There's no footage of him, to scrub. <laughs> he's just a brain.
0: I mean, we already have Green Arrow playing Casey Jones in the movie, so. Maybe oh, that's Green true. Green right? will be in the comics.
2: You watch Turtles, Andy? Yeah. Hey, yeah, he's got the brain. The
0: yeah, I know. I know. Right, I'm just making sure you knew. So I don't know. I don't know if you
2: like the Turtles.
0: I love I kinda
1: Turtles. I kind of like
2: the Turtles. I think they're cool. Not a big fan. Are you
1: a big fan of turtles, Chris? Um, that's it. I said you know I'm not them? a hardcore do you, do you know fan, but well I'm a fan. Do you know of them. I, Sorry. I, 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 I mean, I grew up with I grew up with the cartoons and the movies, and um, I never got into, or well, I never read the original comics, and I really want to, uh, especially because like Daredevil and, and Ninja Turtles technically exist in the same universe, which is.
0: Speaking, which is, speaking of the movies. I just realized that the guy that played Casey in that movie is in Wayne's World and he has like not one line. It's fucking hilarious. He just like sits there playing guitar the whole movie. Wait, so awesome. Which one is he in Wayne's World? He's uh the guitarist of like the band that Wayne is trying to like get famous. Oh, uh, okay. girlfriends band.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Small world. There you go.
2: All right, guys. This week is going to be the comics week. Um, we're going to go into some comics that we haven't been able to cover because it's been E3, then it's been Batman, and it's been like this whole this whole situation the past few weeks. So we're gonna we're gonna get all caught up in all the comics that we missed leading up to like right now, so we can move forward and have some regular episodes. Um, but first, um, speaking of Batman. Did you guys see the Batman v Superman trailer that came out of Comic Con? Oh
0: hell yeah! Hell yeah! Shit! What'd you think? That shit looked amazing. Changed looked, my perspective on the whole movie.
1: It looked really dope. I I really like the angle. Um, I mean, they referenced it before uh, in other interviews, but this is the first time we've seen it cinematically. Uh, where um, the reason why Batman's really pissed off is Superman because uh, during the fight with Zod. I guess like Wayne Enterprises tower got shot down, and a bunch of impl- of his employees died, and now Bruce is mad pissed at Superman, so that's why he's d- doesn't trust him and wants to,
0: to. Um, I think it's an interesting choice that they kept using shots of Ben Affleck that he didn't speak, which is weird to me. Uh, still the one line that we ever heard from Ben Affleck was the "Do you believe?" Yeah, and other than that, like we haven't heard Ben Affleck talk as Batman at all. I think that's an interesting And voice.
1: even the voice that he was talking in was was modified by the suit. Yeah, it was a
0: voice changer, yeah. yeah.
1: So...
0: Yeah, so, like, when they show him in the regular suit, they don't... they don't have him talk at all. It's just him
1: posing and brudding and slightly looking at the ground, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> so. um,
0: yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I like how they cameoed the Joker.
1: Yeah! Uh, and they um, they reference like Jason Todd like they ha- it has his old costume and it has the writing it says like um, jokes on you Batman which is pretty awesome um, yeah
0: I think that was really awesome uh, seeing that last minute Wonder Woman clip at the end kind of like hyped me up I didn't expect that at all
1: yeah what Woman she I was
0: in the movie but
1: yeah, uh Gal Gadot looks like really her. good as Wonder Woman. Like she yeah. would still great on the the EW cover, but like seeing her like actually moving and it, like I I'm totally sold. So I didn't get all the all the hate she got when she was first casted. I thought she was a good good choice and, you know, I and mean, then
0: again, Ben Affleck got a lot of hate when uh when he was casted as Batman.
1: Mhm. Yeah, typical but I, I like internet ben Affleck. But. Yeah.
0: I mean I don't mind Ben Affleck. I say I say Daredevil was a horrible movie, but that wasn't Ben Affleck's fault.
2: No, it wasn't. Yes. I think he did a good job as being Daredevil kind of. I don't think I didn't I don't remember that movie saying like, oh, he was fucking terrible as Daredevil. I remember thinking that movie's fucking terrible. Yeah.
0: But everyone just you know, they correlate it with Ben Affleck being terrible because he was in a terrible movie. But Ben
2: Affleck is a great actor and he's a great director. Yeah. So
1: and yeah, plus he's just, also
2: directing the, the next Batman movie, right? Yeah, they just announced that
1: yeah, uh, yeah. The, he's, uh, he's co-writing it with uh, Geoff Jones he's directing it and he's acting in it. So that's really oh, exciting. be
0: great. I, I trust Ben Affleck. I trust him. And Affleck we trust. Hashtag trust Affleck.
2: Um, I, like, I like what they're doing with, with Batman in this movie and I like how they're addressing the complaints that people had with, with Man of Steel and making that directly the reason why Batman is going up against him in this movie. Um, I don't think they planned to do that. I don't think that was planned all along. But I think they, they used the negative... It was a
0: nice like rendition.
2: Yeah, it, they, they took their negative credit criticisms from, from Man of Steel and basically gave it like a voice in Bruce Wayne Batman. And so now people who didn't like Man of Steel now have even more reason to watch this because now they could be in Batman's corner corner kind of and it makes sense so now Batman's got a specific reason to go up against Superman and you know after he takes Superman down a peg or something like that like kicks his butt a little bit then they can like be friends
0: all right so there was two things that I had question about with that trailer the first one was why does Jesse Eisenberg have hair Cause he always has hair before he, he, he always had hair. But
1: it, it looks the wig looks so bad.
0: It looks that's what I'm saying, like yeah. it's so bad. But whatever. And why does he have a giant ass kryptonite rock?
2: I think he does a good job of being Kurt Cobain, honestly. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I, if we were making a movie about Kurt Cobain, okay.
2: I tell me he's not Kurt Cobain?
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Who is he? Lex Luther. No. <laughs>
1: I think he makes for, like, a really slimy, you love to hate him kind of Lex Luthor. Like, he was saying, like, the red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. And, he, and he's just, he just, he just, I just, I like, I I just wanted to punch him in the face. Um, And maybe that's a good thing, because, like, because <laughs> Lex Luthor's well, that's not a... kind of
0: Lex's personality.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But he's also, like, a really, supposed to be, like, a really charismatic guy. So, like, you know, Lex can get away with anything, but... I don't know. I I I just I dig Eisenberg's delivery and performance. I just don't dig the hair. I just. I feel like
0: Jesse Eisenberg is too young to play uh, Lex Luthor of a Superman that's like mid thirties.
1: Well, I know with, uh, with oh god, I, I don't remember, like. I know like the the conception the angle they were going for was like a young tech entrepreneur, analog to like um, that's why like he Yeah, so.
2: Um, the good thing about his hair is that he won't have it for long, so if that's your issue, it's not going to be an issue Uh, for a
0: while. Well, my whole thing was just, like, why does he have a kryptonite rock, and I just wanted to make a statement that the wig was bad.
1: Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Chris? Oh, I was going to say, like, they never addressed kryptonite in the first movie, and like, in so far as his weakness, it was more him, like, a like a, not not being a dad to like to like the the Earth's atmosphere. That was the same thing with the three cryptid, Kryptonian uh prisoners yeah. where the the kryptonite was like the, their senses going all out of whack because of the Earth's being different from Krypton. So but I don't know.
2: Um I think they're going to use the kryptonite as I, I feel like in some way Lex and Bruce are going to like Team up. Team up a little bit, and then Bruce is going to realize that Lex is like a dickhead, and then kind of back off, and then maybe even team up with Superman at the end. Because I don't think the entire movie they're going to be enemies. I think the end of the movie they're going to have to, like, put their differences aside. Well, they're going to form the Justice
0: League at they the end. They have to.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the money is coming from,
0: right? Yeah. Alright. And then, um... I was just going to say something, but I forgot. Anyway.
1: Uh, I'm calling it Wonder Woman's going to Break up the fight, and she's gonna kick the kick the uh, other two's asses, and that's, oh, yeah, that's gonna be so awesome.
0: Definitely, that's what's gonna happen. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Maybe like Lex uh, stumbles upon this radioactive rock, and like obviously he doesn't know what it is, so he's probably gonna try to like bank and make some sort of technology out of it, and then like happen and just find out it's Superman's weakness. And this could be a good thing for where like. Batman gets his kryptonite from, you know, just steal a piece from Lex.
1: Yeah.
2: But anyway, moving on. Don't want to spend the whole episode talking about this trailer because we probably could.
1: We could. But
2: um, let's move on to the comic stuff. We're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. We're gonna take turns. We're gonna talk about. We picked a, a selection of the comics that we want to talk about and talk to you guys about listening at home. And then later we have a couple listener questions. Finally.
0: About time. <laughs> about
2: time. And, um, all, which came from our Facebook group, which I'm very impressed has grown so quickly, so fast. Since yeah, we
1: got like started. 220 members now. So yeah, It's yeah, all thanks to it, you guys. It. So thank you. Thank
2: you for joining. Thank you for participating in our group discussions and whatnot. And if you're listening and you want to be a part of it, it's facebook.com slash TubeNerpals. Something like that. Or tweet and at you us. us. You know? Or tweet at us, yeah, that that's the thing. But really, the Facebook group, Get on there, you can share all your stuff that you want to share, all the geeky stuff, and then and then you can be part, a participant in our group discussions and our listener questions.
0: Okay. I know that, that Facebook page has already helped me keep up with San Diego Comic Con, because being at work, I couldn't, but with people posting everything in our Facebook page, it's been amazing. It's been yes, very active, It's, it's it has
1: a life of its own already, which is so great.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for
2: being a part of it. Anyway, comics, who wants to go first?
1: I'll go first. Um, You go first. Yeah, so I I out of all the comics I have today, this one's I most was like really really excited to talk about. It's called uh, We Stand on Guard, and it's written by Brian K. Vaughan and art is by Steve Skroce. And this this came out uh, two weeks ago, I think, and it's it's amazing. Um, So basically. The elevator pitch is it's basically uh, the movie Red Dawn, um, except instead of the Soviets inv- invading the US, it's um, the, the, the ragtag team of survivors. They're a bunch of Canadians, and basically America is at war with everyone. And so the, the, the Americans are the main antagonist, and in the beginning, of the issue, it sets up this alternate history where, um, an attack on the White House happened. It, it was a drone strike. Um, and, um, in this alternate history, uh, the London, uh, Lon- uh Britain or, like, London is, is, are still bitter rivals with the U.S. And, In the beginning, like, shit goes down immediately. Like, Canada is blamed for the attack. And then, like, the second or third page in, you just see this amazing but horrific spread of, like, hundreds hundreds of uh, U.S. missiles are raining down on top of uh, Ontario. Um, So, basically, America goes all out against Canada. And... The main character is this girl named Amber, and she's just like she's like six years old when this attack happens. As the time ha- passes by, and she's been surviving in the Canadian wilderness for all this time. and she is rescued uh, from these American um, military drones called Dogs of War, which are basically robotic dogs. Um, so she gets rescued. And she gets re- recruited into the ragtag team of, um, of, of Canadian survivors. And she helps them complete their first mission, or their, their mission was to take down um, this thing called a gorilla, which is basically the Star Wars ad at. And at the end of the issue, she gets recruited into the, um, into the resistance movement. And it's really funny. Um even though it's it's really dark um they they spend at least like 4 or 5 pages talking about how Superman is really a Canadian and not an American creation and if you're savvy with comic book lore you'll get a big laugh out of it and the fact that it's just uh it's just it it, it, it it's just so good the art's really awesome the, sh- the writing's really strong and it just hooks you right into the action, like straight from the get go. So, I highly recommend it. Yeah, sounds awesome. really awesome. Yeah. So yeah, this is. Uh, I
0: might, uh, I might pick that up later this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the first issue just came out, so uh, it didn't. Uh, I'm not sure when the next issue is coming out, but you have plenty of time to catch up. How's the art? Um, it's really good. Um, it's. It's a little bit. um, I'm trying to trying to figure out what what, what artists I can compare it to, but um, I really enjoy it. There, it's it's like um, it's really gory. Um, in the first in the first part, like like bombs are going off, and then you just see like her Amber's dad just half blown up, and the face is like melted and it's full of pus and burning and stuff. It's pretty graphic. Pus and burning. Yeah, pus and burning. Uh, it's pretty graphic, so uh, if you're a younger reader uh, or if you're a parent, I would be careful giving it to your kids. Um, but it's really dynamic, um, and I like it. It's good. I highly recommend the art. Nice. It, I, it's like it's like it's like uh, Red Dawn meets like a little bit of a Hunger Games. That's why that's why that's the vibe I got from it. So. Cool. Interesting.
0: I would definitely pick that up. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Do you want to go? Oh, my whole one comic this week. Your whole week? one comic? No, you can go.
2: All right. Um, I picked up Archie number one this past week. It's um. First of all, I didn't think I'd ever pick up an Archie book, but I don't know, man. Like, Afterlife with Archie, got me really interested in in the world of Archie, kind of.
0: Why did they Why did they stop uh, numbering them and then go back to one?
2: Because they rebooted it They completely rebooted it Oh For like a modern know. A modern uh, Audience I do not
0: know But
2: that. um Yeah This They've only done This is the only time They've done another Number one Since the original one Yeah In 75 years They've never done Another number one So this is the first reboot In fucking 75 years Imagine if Batman Took 75 years to reboot You know how many Times fucking Spider-Man's been rebooted
0: It's been like Rebooted twice In less than a year
2: Yeah Exactly so it's pretty big that they just rebooted Archie But, um, like I said, I, I wasn't expecting myself to really be into Archie Because it's like, you know, it's like that little fucking magazine you see at the supermarket And you're like, eh, fucking Archie's Digest Eh, fuck Archie, you know <laughs> But, um, Afterlife was really interesting um, Takes forever to come out, but it's still interesting There's um, Then I started reading Sabrina, which is also pretty cool It's like witchcrafty stuff then uh, Archie vs. Predator came out, and that's fucking awesome. That hasn't ended yet, but it's still fucking awesome. You should pick it up, seriously. And so I decided, um, fuck it, I'll pick up Archie number one. It's um, Mark Wade does the writing, which I like from uh, his run on Daredevil, so I'm a huge fan of Mark Wade. And then Fiona Staples does the art, who she's from Saga. She's a Saga. I don't know if you've read Saga.
0: I've read a little bit of Saga. You read Saga, Chris?
1: Yeah, Saga's so good.
2: Yeah, it's a good fucking series, yeah. right? So the art's good. So she is doing the art on Archie, and the guy from Daredevil, who I like, Mark Wade, is doing the writing for Archie. It's like, eh, you know, I'll fucking pick it up. Who cares, right?
1: It's like a marriage in heaven, man.
2: Yeah, seriously. Stan, you were you are the-
1: telling me earlier in the week you were you were we were texting or messaging like how Jughead is like light from from Death Note.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's got this. He's got like this dead look in his eyes, like he's killed somebody before. You know, like, he's got this look, like, like, I've killed, right? But he's got these, like, he's got, like, this intricate plan that he puts into place throughout the issue. That's really, that's really interesting and pretty funny. But, um, it they they sort of rebooted all the characters. So, they're all, like, more modern. But they're not, like, overtly modern. They're not like, oh, using the Facebooks and the mass spaces, right? They They seem like real people. So, it's cool. It's, um... It deals with Archie and Betty's, like, breakup, and they they were together their entire lives, practically growing up, so no one saw the breakup happen, and it's, like, a little high school drama. They, everyone in the school starts to try to get um, Betty and Archie back together, but um, Jughead's, in, like, behind the scenes, like, pulling the strings. <laughs> it's just funny to see, because Jughead is, like, supposed to be, like, this goofball who just eats all the time, so to see him, like, like be proactive in the story is actually pretty cool to see and everyone's like trying to like bribe him with food to like get his secrets but he won't give them up. It's just it's funny. It's a, it's really good. Um, it was like 3.99 or 4.99 when it came out, so I can't I'm not 100% sure I can recommend it cuz as um ongoing, I have to really see what happens in issue 2 and like how much issue 2 costs. Because if it's like a 2.99 like popcorn book like kind of like Carly Quinn is, then I can see- was. Or was good point. <laughs> and I can see myself picking up every month to like just follow these kids in their life because it, it's it's kind of interesting. They like turned R G into like a, a, a guitarist who's just becoming like sociable. Like he plays in like the dance that they have in the issue. There's like a school dance, and he's never played in front of a crowd before. But he gets like used to it or, or whatever. It's just it's just interesting seeing them all interact with one another and and it's a perfect jumping on point and considering Archie there's not much continuity you know but still it's it's nice to have this place to start and it's and I really... feel
0: like since they did like Afterlife with Archie and uh, Archie vs. Predator who the fuck knows what else they'll put with Archie
2: exactly so it's a good point like if you read these books like I did and I was like ah, let me check the main series they just rebooted it so it's a good place to see and they haven't introduced Veronica yet so it's very much like an origin of Archie and yeah, I mean, nothing much happens in it. It's just it's high school kids, you know. There's no like superheroes or like blood or nothing or plot or pus or burning.
0: <laughs> but it's it's it's
2: just it's a fun book. It's like funny and it's like you know high school kids doing high school stuff and like breaking up and like romance, etc. So it's it's an, it's cool. I would I would pick it up if you like that sort of thing. If you if you want to break from all the heavy like Walking Dead murder and like. War and superhero stuff. It's a fun light book. Um I have to see how much it's gonna cost going forward though, because I can't recommend it at four or five dollars a book. But like if it lowers the price, yeah, I'll let you know. But yeah. Archie one, recommend it. Read it.
1: Solid. 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 Oh you were saying, Stan, like how it had like literally thousands of number one variants. Like how many variants did you see in your comic book shop?
2: There was a lot of variants. There's something like 40 variants for Archie. What? Yeah, like, every, like, artist created an issue. I picked up the Frankavilla issue because he does Afterlife with Archie and I like his art so it was cool seeing him draw something that wasn't, like, violent. It's just him, like, chilling on his motorbike, Archie. Yeah. So that that was cool. They have, um, a, little, a huge, wide range of, like, covers of him, like, on a motorcycle or just him chilling with his, like, coat on or you got, like, him playing guitar in, like, a coffee shop. It it was a ton, but you know, I Tons. picked I picked up the the one that was most important, which is the Frank Villa cover. <laughs> I want I, I hope he's at Comic Con so I can get him to sign it.
0: I'm sure he will be. Maybe.
1: Anyway, moving along. Yeah, Andy.
0: I was thinking about saving mine until like later, a little later.
1: Okay. Uh, you want me to go again, Stan? Um,
0: just because I have the whole one so one to talk about?
1: The whole one? Uh, I, I can go again. Um, so, I guess two or three weeks ago, I don't remember, but uh, I covered uh, Ghost Racers, number one. That's the Secret Wars tie-in. And um, if, you haven't, if you haven't noticed by now, I love Ghost Ghost Rider. So, uh, so Ghost Racers, oh, oh my gosh, Ghost Racers is the tie-in. And it's issue two. And it's more of a fill in the gaps, uh, this is how everything got to this point, issue. Um, so, at the end of issue one, uh, we were introduced to Robbie Reese Ghost Rider and how he's stuck in the Coliseum, set up by the classic X-Men villain arcade who sets up all these games um, for criminals to duke it out and for the 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 mass public's entertainment. Um, So here it it goes into how Robbie Rees first discovered he was a ghost rider and how he ended up in these death races. So in this alternate uh, reality, or this world on battle world, um, he's still living in a really uh, gang-ridden and cruddy and, and poor destitute neighborhood. But despite that, he's actually pretty happy, um, uh, and he hangs out with his brother, and a significant di- difference with this and the original run of all-new Ghost Rider is his brother is not, he's not disabled, he, he's, he doesn't use a wheelchair. And another big, surprising um, diversion is that three other side characters who he was Really, like they were antagonists, like these three gang members, they're, they're his best friends, which is, I thought was pretty interesting. So, basically, uh, Robbie gets involved in the races because his brother Gabe, um, he basically broke a law, it was like the hottest day ever in, um, in California. So, Gabe, uh, took a wrench and opened up a fire hydrant, and, which caused one of the Thors and this giant police robot to, uh, he was about to take away Gabe, but Robbie Reese took his place. And that's
0: that's pretty hardcore for a fire (laughs) hydrant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So here's the line. The robot was saying, it says, attention citizen of doom under article F3L IP3 of the law of God, doom. You're engaged in illegal activity by tampering with doomstop property, and therefore punishable by said law. So, <laughs> so yeah, he was basically tampering with government property, and who knows the the death the death penalty is probably like the, the sentence for that. But
0: I mean, if if this was New York, <laughs> uh, I guess everyone will be approached by a Thor and, and this robot at one point.
2: I could, I could just imagine, like, Doom sitting on his throne and, like, fucking Doctor Strange comes up to him and is like, so, what do we do about the fire hydrants? And Doom is just like,
1: death! We must conserve water, sure? it's a precious commodity.
2: <laughs> are you sure? And he's like, Steven, don't you know what's going on in California in the water? <laughs> death! And he's like,
1: alright! Yeah. Yeah. Doom, Doom, he's a, uh, he plays hardball. Doesn't, he doesn't get around. Doom's not. he's Doom's
2: not playing Conservation. Shit. He's tough, but fair.
1: I don't know about fair. But he's like, look, if everyone runs out of water,
2: then everyone's dead. So if we gotta kill a couple people to make sure that nobody's using the fucking fire hydrants, we're gonna do it. Okay, Steven Strange? And he's like, all right, all right.
1: Mm. Sheesh. Yeah, he has to have a firm hand or else you'll incite anarchy. There you go. So, exactly. so, So the robot picks up, Robbie and he does like a like a some sort of scan and he uh, he, we find out that Robbie has a spirit of vengeance inside him. Uh, So he's he's taken to the races, um, and he he totally bombs his first race. um, And they reveal what happens afterwards. Uh, Basically, they torture the hell out of you, but then they like revive you. So there's this one page where. Oh, back to, like, the, the blood and guts and pus. Um, so, in this issue, he loses his first race. Uh, Robbie is getting his chest blown open by a laser. And, like, the Ghost Rider next to him, is, this giant vat of acid is poured on him, and he's, like, he's all the, all the acid is eating away to the bone. Some other guy's being shot in the chest with a machine gun. So, yeah.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. And this is all for opening one fire hydrant.
1: Oh no! Well, the the other ghost racers—they're there because they're ghost racers, and you know. Well,
0: no, no, no. But I'm saying, like, like, all he did was open up a fire hydrant. No, no, no his brother did. His brother
1: opened up the fire oh, hydrant.
0: Oh, oh, okay.
1: And then, and then okay. but Robbie took the blame, and because Robbie is a ghost rider, it's like, oh, hey, now we have a new contender for our for our death race. So, yeah.
0: Okay, so it was just bad
1: timing. Very bad timing, and very bad luck. Um. And then in this race, so um, so th- th- then uh, he makes a pact with his spirit of vengeance named Eli to uh, to never lose again. And if he does that, Eli will um, help him out in the end. Um, so basically, after that, we go back to the present where uh, where Robbie he's undefeated in the races, and Arcade has set up. Um, a giant he, he rigged the next race for Robbie to lose so he could make like a whole bunch of money. Um, and at this point, uh, at the end of the issue, Robbie, um, Robbie, he, he's being like the arcade setting all the traps like at super high difficulty. Uh, he's forced to kill his childhood friends, like the three gang members that were his best friends before, they got kidnapped. And they were like fused together into this giant grotesque abomination. That so um, so Robbie slash Eli was forced to kill his own best friends on live television. So, uh, but
2: I think I, I need to read Ghost
0: Races. This shit sounds crazy. It, it's so
1: over the top. It's so amazing. And at the end,
0: Stan and Chris get merged into one being, and I have to murder. Yes. (laughs) The fuck.
1: But it's okay, Andy, because you drive off into the sunset, you know, with with your leather jacket.
0: With my motorcycle and my leather jacket.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It fits because you're a Ghost Rider. There you go. Uh, But at the end of the issue, um, Eli and and Robbie, they're like, "Okay, we're done." So they uh, say they blast a hole or a portal, and they escape the arena. So at the end of the issue, all the Ghost Riders are sent out after. After them, so so the chase is on. I'm really excited. So I really, I really like this issue.
0: Is Nicholas Cage there? No.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No. Don't even bring
2: that up.
0: I mean, you brought up Spirit of Vengeance, and it made me want to bring up Nicholas Cage yeah. somewhere. Chris, did you yeah. like the Nick Cage Ghost Rider movies? I don't like. The uh,
1: I watched it. I was I was very disappointed and. I don't know. At some point, I ch- I kind of just stopped trying to care about it and just, just went with it because it's Nick Cage and he's an interesting guy. But the movie was not was not good. I think there was a sequel, too. Are you too. more
2: surprised? Yeah, I that's what I was going to ask. Are you more surprised that the movie was awful or that there were two of them?
1: <laughs> I think that because there were two of them because the first one, the first one, the box office, I don't, I don't know if it... Did it make a profit? I guess that's, that's the only reason why they would warrant Well, the second innocent. one wasn't
0: even in theaters. Oh, it was yeah, a it was.
1: direct-to-video? Really?
0: I knew nothing of it. Ah. I didn't know that movie existed until about a year ago. Are you kidding me? Nick Cage is a go-direct-to-video?
1: <laughs> He's a diva. <laughs> yeah.
2: I want to see that Superman documentary, by the way. Just an, as
1: an aside. Yeah. That's, it looks so good.
2: Uh, so, would you recommend Ghost Racers? Yes,
1: hell yeah. If you just want just really random, over-the-top, doesn't-take-itself-seriously kind of fun and action, definitely get Ghost Racers.
2: Who's the artist on Ghost Racers? Uh,
1: it is... Uh, what's his last Wow. His last name is Gideon. Uh, versus, I can't find the title page right now. God. Wow, I'm so unprepared. Oh, here we go. Um Juan Gideon, G E D E O N. So I don't know if that rings a bell. I i never heard of him before. But um again, I'll say this before I say this again. Like the best ghostwriter artist was will always be Trad Moore. And I'm just so sad he left. But that's just his life. So.
2: But is is the is the new artist doing good? Or I like yeah, the art
1: the art's good. I like it's um it's compared to Trad's art. Like, Trad, his art is super crazy detailed, um, and it's really pops and dynamic. I, I do enjoy this art, too. Um, it's it's more a simplistic style, um, and um, but I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's good.
2: Chris, in a future episode, do you think you can, like, assemble, like, a recommended reading for Ghost Rider for people who don't know anything about Ghost Rider? Yeah, hell yeah, I can do
1: that. That'll be my homework assignment. Yeah, That'll be good. I think
2: we should do that. I don't know
1: shit about yeah, Ghost me Rider. Yeah, me neither.
2: I don't know fuck at all about Ghost Rider.
1: I know, I know what the Nick Cage movies
0: told
2: me. I, I know he got a cool skull. He's got on fire. He got, he got chain.
1: chains. He got leather. He got a bike. There's,
0: there's, there's a Ghost Rider that, that, that fucking rides the horse.
2: You got a horse rider. You got you got a ghost racer. You got a speed racer.
1: Hell yeah! That'd be cool, seeing like a, a
2: dead speed racer with like his head on fire and he's riding like a ghostly Mach Five.
1: Or what about
0: like Ghost Rider versus Speed Racer?
1: That'd be awesome. I would I would buy that that like, that mashup over comic. I would that'd again be,
0: make that, a million
1: dollar idea. We'll just pitch out. them our idea and they'll be like done, and they'll give us Featuring a billion dollars. Orion.
0: Even, even though the rank was DC <laughs> oh.
1: make it a comic and an animated movie so I could just like, see no, Speed, and make fun of all him. the he's bad things he's a ghost music. he's made of fire
2: <laughs> he's like no I must race him I'm a racer <laughs>
0: that
2: would be the best thing ever <laughs>
0: Yeah, if only, if only Speed Racer... Did you see the... Still alive.
1: I love that movie. That movie was so... I really
0: want to see it. I want to see the Wachowski
2: brothers... <laughs> the Wachowskis, sorry. Make a new Speed Racer with also Ghost Rider. Hell
1: Rock. yeah. Do, do it. it. Okay. Did you see the
2: Speed Racer movie? That fucking movie is great. I don't, I know, love what, it. I don't know what people are talking about. You know what we should do? For our, like... We should make a commentary <laughs> about Speed Racer. The three of us. I'm for it.
0: Yeah, let's do
2: it. Alright, moving moving on. We got that
0: settled.
2: So we, I don't know where Speed Racer came from, but I'm glad he's here. Anyway, moving on. So what am I going to talk about? Um,
1: Thors?
2: Yeah, fuck it. I'll talk about Thors. Uh, you and I, Chris, you and I can both talk about Thors because we both read it. Um, yeah. What do you think about Thors, Chris?
1: I love it. It's just a bunch of Thors acting like a cop procedural buddy buddy cop movie. I yes. love it. It was it was really funny and I just there was just like this all these little things that, that just made just maybe love it so much. Like the fact that th- that Throg is a forensics ep- expert. Or like the, the the shady informant is Loki. Um that
2: whole comic, man, it's just filled with great moments. Like I you should really read Thor's, I think. It's really good.
1: It's, like, um, the stereotypical, like, o- Odin being, like, the, the gruff police chief, and he's like, damn it, Thors, you're oh, a loose cannon cop, and you don't play by the rules. And yeah, and
2: the main Thor is, like, Ultimate Thor, and he's like, he's like, oh, man, this case that we have to solve, and it's, like, this serial killing... That he's got like
0: so they're like detectives.
2: They're a poli- They're police force. So they act like cops. It's literally like an episode of Cops, but everyone's Thor. <laughs> it's like the best. They're like fighting with each other and like talking shit to each other, and then and the Ultimate Thor is like you know run the forensics and they bring the forensics and it's like the Frog Thor and he's like in the in the lab. It's like I can't keep doing this Thor. And just- it's great, and then like like Chris said, like Odin, or I don't know if it's Odin or if it's like old man Thor from like the Thor book that I, that just ended. Um, hmm. I don't know which one it is, but he's like, "Damn it, get out there and get me my man," or whatever.
1: And and there, and uh, uh, Ultimate Thor, his partner is uh, Beta Ray Bill. That's right, yeah. and and they're always complaining about like, oh god, we, we have to solve this case or else we'll lose our hammers because the hammers are like the equivalent oh, of their police like badges. Their badges. Yeah, their badges yeah. are gone. Basically,
2: you got to turn on your hammer if you don't solve this case. It's it's great, and, and I like how they're they're it's this overarching like murder mystery that's going on, and so the mystery is really cool because it's um, a woman who gets I think be- beheaded. Chris? I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, like, and the head's
1: missing, and like, like, it's just yeah. So uh, it's a like really missing. grisly murder,
2: and and they discovered that since Battle World is made up of the same universe, that it's that all the all the victims are all the same women from different universes. So someone's killing the same exact woman in every just universe over. at the same time, basically. And and the interesting thing is, first of all. Beta Ray Bell's informant is like a homeless, crazy Loki who's like in the sh- in the alley. And he, <laughs> he
1: lives in a carpet box, and it's just, uh it's just so glorious.
2: Because of course, that's what Loki would be doing if everyone was a fucking Thor, right? <laughs> <laughs> just you'd go insane. Um, but yeah, he's, he he goes crazy. Um, they they figure out that it's um, Jane, Jane Foster, Foster. right? Jane yeah, Foster's she's the one the being targeted. Kill. So you know Thor's like old girlfriend, yeah. The one who happens to be, you know, the goddess Thor right now, which which is really interesting to me because are they going to target that Thor?
1: Exactly, yeah, is, yeah. Like,
2: is the killer going to go after her as Thor? And that w- that would also tie her into the Thor's book too, which I feel like she should be in some capacity, even though she's mm-hmm. not she's not part of them, but she's still there, right? So that's that's cool. Um, I just think it's really cool. I love the interactions. um I am very. Ex- I picked up the Gwen variant. So if Gwen is like Thor on the cover. It's great. Um, but yeah, I I yeah. completely recommend it. Even if you're not a like a Thor fan, which is crazy because it's it's all Thors. Like the entire book is Thors. It's still like really cool. Look at the greater battle world, and the murder mystery is like really interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Groot?
1: Yeah, um another thing that I, I really like, um I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you guys know uh, about it, um but has Groot ever been Thor in other comics cuz he was uh the uh, Groot was um, a Thor agent here and I just love the idea of that. I want like a spin-off series of just Groot Thor. I was just wondering if you guys know anything about that.
2: I, I never heard anything about uh, Groot getting a hammer, but I like how he says, I'm Thor, now instead of <laughs> I'm Groot, but um, Groot has an ongoing now, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some like funny like instance where he was a Thor for a brief a brief moment or something.
0: I've, I've read uh, the first issue of of Groot. And I was just Why don't you like, talk about it, then? Well, because there wasn't much for me to talk about. I read it's you- just like, the whole issue is just like, I am Groot And then like Rocket Raccoon Getting pissed off At what he's saying And like you not knowing What the fuck Groot is trying to say (laughs) It's just It's just kind of funny At least the first issue That was a while ago though That was like
2: Well we haven't covered it So you could technically Talk about Groot If you want
0: I mean That was all I remember of it
2: Would you continue Reading Groot? I would Yeah? Yeah. Are you planning to pick up Group Two?
0: I didn't pick up Group One. I just kind of read it at the comic shop. Oh, yeah.
2: I picked up Group One because it had Gwen cover. Because I'm a sucker. <laughs> it was Gwoot. It, it Gwut. <laughs> and, and it was like <laughs> Gwut. Gwut. I am Gwoot. It was called Gwoot <laughs> and it, it was Gwen as a tree. And I was like, I can't not buy this just for the virtue that it's Gwen as a tree.
1: <laughs> Wait, Stan, yeah. how many how many uh, Gwen variants do you have? Do you have all of them?
2: I don't have all of them because that would be insane. I'm only vaguely crazy. I'm not like completely insane. Um, I picked up the mostly. I only bought two books that I wasn't planning on buying that had Gwen variants, and that was Future and Perfect because it it looked really cool to see Gwen be like basically the Hulk, and because uh, it had like the whole transformation of her from Gwen Stacy into like a like a She Hulk Gwen basically. And then I picked up the, the group cover because she's a tree. <laughs> Come on. Then there's the um, the future, not the, I already talked about it. The Armor Wars issue where it was like Gwen in like a suit of Iron Man armor and, and it had like Iron Man hair for her and like a band on her head. Even though she was a suit of armor, they like made the hair. I don't know, it was weird, so I picked it up. There was one that I didn't pick up that I kind of wanted to pick up. But it was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. issue, and I was like, I'm never going to read this issue, so why would I pick it up? But it was Gwen as MODOK.
0: What? <laughs> and it, it was just like her head. It was like
2: MODOK, but it was like Gwen as MODOK. So it was like her face and like her hair, but MODOK's body. It was like weird. That's so weird. Um, then there was That's the so X-Men cool. 92, which I didn't pick up bad Gwen variant, even though I picked up the regular issue. Because X-Men 92 had a great normal issue, like, the normal cover was just, like great, so I picked that one up. Also, all the X-Men who were Gwen just kind of looked like female X-Men. didn't look like Gwen. So it's was like, eh... But I did pick up The Secret Wars, a Gwengers issue that had Gwen as every member of the Avengers, because that was really funny. It was like, um... Gwen is Captain America, but she has, like, a Captain America hood on, kind of how Spider-Gwen yeah. looks. Um, Gwen in, like, a suit of armor. Then there was... Gwen as Hulk, but it was like the big, beefy Hulk, and it was just Hulk with like Gwen's hair. Like he was wearing a Gwen wig. <laughs> it was just hilarious. And I was like, I gotta pick this one up. So, nice. yeah, that's that's what I got. The favorites. the only
1: variant I want, and I, I'm sad I didn't know about it before, and I, I probably have to find it on eBay. But the the Mad Max Gwen variant for um, what's it called? Uh, Marvel, twenty ninety nine. Like you show, you sent me a a, a text of that, and it looks so legit. It was um, uh, Gwen driving, gra- driving the War Rig, and like a bunch of go- uh Green Goblins were the War Boys.
2: Oh, yeah. uh, so
1: it was so cool.
2: I thought that was a really cool cover, but again, I wasn't like interested in collecting twenty ninety nine. So I I think what I might do is I might get a print of it if I see if I see it at Comic Con. I think I might do that. But other than that, it's a really cool cover, though. I, I admit.
1: Cool.
0: Okay, so
2: next. What's next? Who's next?
1: Uh, Are we skipping you again, Andy?
0: Uh, How many did you just do each? Like two each? Something like that.
1: Okay. Um, so,
0: let's see. I I can go. Yeah, why don't you just go? Okay. Go so this week I read The Walking Dead. Woo! And, uh, what issue? Yeah. What, what, issue what, what issue are they on? What
1: What issue are they on?
0: I have no clue. You gotta, oh, okay. Write it down. Probably the 200s. <laughs> write it down. It's, not, it's like 130, 136, That's cool. if I'm not mistaken. We'll, we'll get it in the show notes. <laughs> anyway, so this issue was just showing um, Rick, like he finally goes to this group that have been turning themselves into like zombies and live with zombies because Carl is with that group. So Rick went to go hunt them down and she pretty much threatened Rick and his group with like thousands of people and I thought it was insane and I have no fucking clue how Rick decide is how Rick is going to be able to uh to stop the fury of this insane group like it's just crazy um they like this female antagonist is, like, just out of her mind. And I don't think... I think the only thing that Rick's going to be able to do to stop her is going to be uh, to to team up with Negan, which was the last antagonist who killed... Uh, what's his name? Glenn. And his pool. Yeah. I mean, maybe he'll offer to, like, just chill in the pool. They'll be like, yeah... That's what we wanted The whole time But yeah
2: Turns out the pool Is laced with poison It's not chlorine
0: It's like poison Turns out Turns out Gwen Stacy Comes in And saves the day
2: (laughs) (laughs) She brings inflatable pools For everyone
0: Or just Not inflatable pools But uh, But the rubber ducky You know The one that goes around Your waist And it's a duck I want to see a bunch of zombies in that. Illustrate that for me, Stan.
2: I'll try
0: (laughs) (sighs) But yeah, that was pretty much it for uh, The Walking Dead. Can you jump
2: into The Walking Dead at this point, or do you have to have gone back? Because, I
0: don't know. Uh, I feel like you can only jump into The Walking Dead uh, if you're picking it up from the beginning of the arc. So, like... The beginning of the next arc, you could probably def, you could jump in on. Um, their arcs only la- well, their arcs are pretty long actually. They last around like, uh, twenty issues. So, it's so pretty- you can
2: kind of jump in at the beginning of a new arc and kind of get an idea of what's going on.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely, because by then there's already new cast and like the only thing that doesn't change is Rick.
2: Mm. How is he so lucky?
0: Uh, Robert Kirkman this. Like, refuses to kill him off. How
1: does you get by, with still... I don't know,
0: Robert Kirkman said that, like, that everyone in The Walking Dead is expendable. Except Except Rick. Rick. Except Rick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what Rick needs? He needs a a Furiosa arm. That's what he needs.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's a little little bit better than George R.R. Martin, Game of Thrones, who just kills anybody.
0: I don't know. I don't watch Game of Thrones. God, you
2: should watch it. I'm so behind, but it's a great show.
0: I know what happened at the end of last season. Don't say it because of Facebook. Don't
2: say. it. I knew it because no, of the because Chris, of the. I read the
1: books. It. I you would, read all of them. Yeah, I love the books. God, the books those are great. Fucking
2: books are so dense.
1: Yeah, I mean, but they're, they make they're so well written. Like weekend so. reading. <laughs> Like my really my good. former my former roommate, like he was much more hardcore about it than me. Like he read through all the books in like I don't know, like less than two months or something like that. It was crazy. I spent like a couple, like like at least like six months finishing all the books. Maybe more. I would
2: say I'm a voracious reader. I read a lot. That's like my thing, right? But I picked up Game of Thrones the first book when I started watching the show, and I was like, eh, nope, too too dense for me. Too
1: much going on. Well, but, uh, I mean, like <laughs> the the books get even thicker after Game of Thrones, like progressively. Like just, ugh. I yeah,
2: yeah, I saw that. and That's why I'm like, eh, yeah, no, I'll just stick with the show, and then I can have Chris explain to me the differences with the book version.
1: Yeah, well, I really dig the books, um, but How you know, after after this season, they're they're de- deviating huh. completely because um, the end of season was it five or is it six? I don't, I don't know what. Five. Season five. Five. Yeah. So, like, the end of Season 5 is the end of um, The Dance of Dragons, the last book to come out, which came out, I guess, like, 2013 already? Are, um, they, are they
0: still coming out with more Game
1: of Thrones books? Yeah, that's the big thing with George R. R. Martin. Like, he, uh, he takes a really, really, really long time to finish the books. And the last thing I know, or the last thing I heard, he was writing the six and seven books at the same time. And I think it, uh, he, he's, like, at least halfway done um, but a, a, a big thing that like, people always worried about is um, George is not always in the the best of health so people are afraid that he'll kill over a bit before he finishes the books um, has't
2: he been writing this book series for like 20 years or something seriously like, yeah this it's, book came out like 20
0: years ago really yeah, yeah.
1: The, the the series is really old like, like it's, it's crazy uh, and like the show burned through all the books already so they're already caught up and I mean they're the, the the shows has has taken a lot of liberties already, but now after this season, it's all it's all it's all up in the air now. Um, it's gonna
2: be all filler now until they, they catch up. It's gonna I mean, be like this is like,
0: like that was like supreme manga versus anime type shit. That's what i was saying. Like the
2: next like season's gonna be filled with episodes of like Daenerys learning to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's alive except for her, so I can't say anything. I can't make jokes about anybody because they might be yeah. dead for like week, for like years by now. Because I have, right. I'm like three seasons
0: behind. Is Daenerys like the main character? Yeah,
1: it, yeah, it's like it's like the main the main guys like Tyrion, Daenerys, and Jon Snow. Um.
0: Um. Yeah, I've I've only watched like the first two episodes. It's really good if you stick with it. So I was told.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Moving on, who's
1: next? Uh, I guess I am. Um, All right. Let's see. Well, let me get out this nice stack. Uh, do, 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 do. All right, so this is the last book, or like the most recent book I, I read before um, finishing up, or before we started recording. Um, uh, I referenced this before, uh, a couple of weeks ago but i didn 't review it because um, uh, because of time and there are some other titles that I wanted to review but um, this is starve issue two um, and basically the to catch you up on what happens with Starve number one you have this chef who runs this really popular cooking show called uh, called starve and his name is um, Gavin Crookshank, and he was a super famous uh, showrunner, producer, and executive of this TV show. But then the world, the world economy completely tanked, and he he basically became poor and destitute. Um, so he spent like the next I don't know, like 15 years, like just traveling the world, becoming um like a a vagrant, just doing drugs and just living living like a sort of a simple slash. Hedonistic lifestyle, just having, don't, not having a care in the world. He was hanging out in Thailand or Malaysia. Uh, so, in the um, in the years that passed, uh, the world of Star takes place in this. It's like this huge melting pot of social commentary about our real world. So, so it takes the ninety nine percent slash one percent class warfare. warfare uh, dynamic and puts it to the extreme. So in this world, like ninety nine point nine percent of the world is poor, and there's only like point one percent the population is rich. So, and the rich just controls everything. And there's like like there's like no food anywhere. Um, uh, the world is all polluted. And it's all messed up. Uh, <laughs> and Gavin is taken back into the world of Starve because. Um, when the world economy collapsed and he left and went rogue uh, he was still technically under contract so and he's also pretty desperate he needs money um so the the world uh or the network that that runs starve brings him back and he and he's basically still under oath to finish his contract obligations um and since then like a, a lot of things have been screwed up like his wife. Uh, has declared him dead and stole all of his assets and technically she ho- controls all the rights to his assets um, and the only reason why he's participating is to you know get to, to basically do give a giant middle finger to the rest of the the rich class and to his wife and to um, get back or reconnect with his long lost daughter um so the world of starved the TV show changed radically it's become it's like iron chef or chopped or one of these reality tv shows that you see all the time but really fucked up um like in the end of issue one the contest that he had to do was um he cooks for the the mega rich so in this contest he has to cook just
0: rich they're mega rich
1: they're mega rich they're like so like everyone like all the rich are like the level of like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Mark Se- or Mark Zuckerberg. Just, like and literally like everyone else in the world is poor and they fight each other for like food and what the fuck? it's it's really messed up. Um and so in this contest the first one um what Gavin has to do, he has to basically cook um he has to cook um a slab of dog meat and make it look and taste really delicious or really appetizing to the to the rich judges. So the contests are really screwed up, and they really screw with your head. Um, and it's just it's just a weird this weird cooking show dystopia. <laughs> so in the issue two, uh, it it picks off um, on that um, issue where Gavin he's basically already in the finals after this after taping one episode because all the other final all the other contestants dropped out and um and the showrunner for starved is his former rival who took advantage of the power vacuum that happened when Gavin first left so he's the showrunner and he's constantly trying to screw um and mess up Gavin so he loses and uh, and, and humiliated. Um, and in this issue, um, the the next challenge was um, they had it was a f- the, the the secret ingredient was this fish. It was like a type of tuna or like a bluefin. And the fi- the the challenge was the like the world is so screwed up and all the f- species are endangered that it's really hard to find like, actual fresh ingredients. And, of course, gonna, the prices could going to be inflated, so in this challenge, you had to find your own ingredient and to serve it up. Uh, so, basically, Gavin, um, he, he pulls behind this unlikely victory by meeting up with one of his old cooking chef colleagues, and she basically gives him, like, what could be very well the last piece of this particular type of fish that exists in the entire world. And he wins the contest by basically guilt tripping uh, the, the rich judges and humiliating them of of thinking they, they're eating the last piece of fish ever. And he just walks off the contest like a pimp. So he like he, he basically serves up like sushi, drops the mic, and walks off. And his rivals really <laughs> pissed at him. And all these the secret cabal that's trying to screw him over is really pissed off. And it's so great. So, um, yeah. So I it's. Uh to sum it up, Starve is basically a dystopian food reality T V comic. It's really awesome. There's there's a lot of interesting social commentary. The art's pretty it's pretty gritty, um it which fits the tone of the book and um I I highly I highly recommend it. Um so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Oh so Stan? I'm sorry? Oh uh it's um the writer's Brian Wood and the artist is Denny gel Zez- I can't even pronounce his name Zezell? Um Z-E Z-E-L-J Um Yeah it like But church? it's a It's an image book Uh I love image So that's That's mostly what I read Um But yeah, Nowadays I'm, ma- I'm reading more of Marvel So I'm sorry are you saying?
2: I just said Image puts out a lot of good stuff
1: Image is always Top quality When it comes to their books So yeah, so I, I I highly suggest this. Um, so, do you have a, another book stand you want to talk about?
2: All right, so I'm gonna talk about Star Wars Lando Number One, which came out recently. Um, Lando's fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, was it was iffy on Lando because I don't know. I was just like, eh. what's wrong with Lando? Well, it's nothing wrong with Lando, but I didn't want to start picking up another Star Wars comic and then me being like. Eh. Yeah but
2: I'm, Like I didn't
0: want it to be a Princess Leia to me
2: I, I know what you're talking about Because I stopped collecting Leia too Because it stopped interesting interesting me But Lando's Fucking cool Chris do you like Lando?
1: Lando's awesome uh, I didn't Lando pick up the Cat comic Odyssey. but I really did that cover That was really cool
2: Yeah. Um, so Lando is basically It takes place before Empire So before he's like in charge of Cloud City Or whatever so, he's in debt to, like, a crime boss or whatever. Same thing like Han, right? He's, like, in a huge amount of debt. He manages to steal this artifact or something like that that he thinks is going to clear up his debt, but it turns out that it doesn't. The crime boss still wants him to do another, like, job or whatever. So, he has to um, steal this Imperial uh, personal ship or something. Not, like, a, one of those big Imperial, like, ships, but it's, like... Uh, A rich imperial, like, cruiser whatever. Like, a personal ship whatever. And it's getting, like, retrofitted in some, like, shipyard or something in space. And it's supposed to have all this, like, priceless art and antiques and stuff in there. And Lando realizes that the payday is going to be so big for this heist that he'll get enough money to pay off his debt and have some left over. So he um, decides to assemble a team and steal this uh, cruiser. And the art is really amazing. It's got a lot of good colors. There's pages that are just have like a purple color palette, or pages that have like an all green color palette, all blue. It's like a very colorful book, and it's just it's cool seeing the storyline play out, the whole heist um, thing. But what really grabbed me was they don't know who owns the this cruiser that they're stealing. Just that so they know that it's a rich imperial person, right? Who's like aligned with the Emperor or whatever, and they have a lot of money because they have this ship that has all these like antiques or whatever. So, they're like, fuck that guy, take his ship, sell it, get all his money. So, they so Lando assembles his team of people who can steal the ship, and in the first issue, he does. They manage to steal the ship pretty easily. There's like no resistance or whatever. So, the issue ends with them stealing the ship, and they show you who owns the ship because the um the people who are in charge of the Imperial shipyard are like oh shit he just stole his ship right so they report to like his commanding officer and his commanding officer is like you better get that ship back or you're fucking dead and then he turns around and you know who owns the ship Emperor fucking Palpatine (laughs) That Emperor Palpatine ship that Lando just stole and just ran off with and he's like sir I got some bad news for you and that's where the first issue ends Lando stole Palpatine's fucking ship that's how the series. That's how the ongoing starts, or the mini series. That rather. sounds amazing.
1: That's right. Like that's pretty badass.
2: It's like the heist. It was was cool, but it's not what it is. It is the fact that he stole Palpatine's ship, and now Palpatine obviously wants to get his fucking ship back and find out who took his ship. So it's like, ah, Lando, you are in fucking trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna. It's it's just and the art's really cool. The storyline's funny and also like really action packed and. The hook is really good, because it's like, you just stole Palpatine's fucking Corvette, bro. (laughs) He's coming after you now. It's like, he he stole the Mafia's fucking... Like, Vader's coming. Not even Vader, probably Palpatine himself. (laughs) He's like, I gotta get my shit back.
1: It reminds me of, uh, have you seen John Wick?
2: No, but I heard it was good.
1: It's really good. So, it's basically Keanu Reeves destroying an entire... Uh, Russian crime organization from the bottom up, because um, the guy who plays um, Theon Greyjoy, he steals his car and kills his puppy, and like, and he, little did he know, Keanu Reeves wasn't is an ex-assassin uh, or hitman, and oh, dude, it it's it's glorious. So that's what I thought of when we just described that. So,
0: so Lando... so uh... that movie is what if Lando not only stole. His call, like, killed (laughs) Palpatine's puppy.
1: Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly.
0: Yeah, it's going to be just really, it's even, it's funnier
2: because Lando has no idea that he took Palpatine's ship, so it's just going to be funny to see how this plays out, and you you know Pal, you know Lando survives because he's an empire, but it's going to be really funny and interesting to see how all this shit goes down, you know, like, how, how does Lando get out of this? You know, it's just going to be really interesting to see how it happens, and and yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, if you only follow two Star Wars books, it probably should be Vader and Lando at this point. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, you're up.
1: Yeah, so um, a couple weeks ago, I covered Old Man Logan. Um, I love Old Man Logan. Stan knows this, Andy knows this, and you guys know it too, because um, I just... I just I, anything with the Old Man Logan, I love, and um, I'm really excited because uh, I guess yesterday or two days ago they announced uh, it was officially announced that uh, Hugh Jackman's last Wolverine movie is going to be an adaptation of Old Man Logan. So I'm not sure if this is going to be Mark Millar's version. Um, I mean, it's going to be pretty difficult because um, there's so many. His
0: contract. Oh, wait, can you say that again? I'm surprised that Hugh Jackman's like not trying to renew the contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm retired
1: at this point, you know? I mean, he, uh, when did the first X-Men movie come out? Like, 2003? Oh, God,
0: go Forever, forward. yeah.
1: Yeah, he's been doing it for, like, over 12 years by now. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I find it really hard to think who else could be Wolverine than Hugh Jackman, but, I mean, I can understand him wanting to hang up the saddle. Um, but, anyway, so Old Man Logan 2. Um, this was a really, really fast read. Um, it's similar to the first book, um, where it's very dialogue light, but I didn't really care cause the art is so beautiful and frenetic and dynamic and, um, it's, it reminds me of like, an like Samurai Jack by Gandy Tartak- Tartakovsky where there's not much dialogue, but it's very, very sim- cinematically animated and, and formatted. Um, So, at the beginning of this issue, um, Logan crosses over the boundary of one um, dimension into the other, and he's met by a female Thor. I'm not sure which Thor this is, but um, she's basically like, this is impossible, how did you do that? And, And Logan, he doesn't know about the other dimensions, and in his time... Thor is dead, so he's really confused. But this Thor basically electro- electrocutes him. And he's all he's all screwed up, and he's, he's having a really bad day. He gets shot, and he falls like a thousand feet. And, <laughs> he's having and then he, a really
2: bad day. <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously, this is like this is this is Logan's. This is if this was like a, a uh, like a comedy movie, it would be called like yeah, like Logan's Bad Day or whatever. I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets he he gets shot by Thor. He and falls he gets, a thousand feet into a forest. Thor, a good movie. Yeah, um, he gets attacked and mauled by a tiger. And then he's he uh, this, this
0: for- isn't this isn't a bad day. This is like <laughs> like the day Andy dies. That's that's what that is. Pretty much. He gets shot in the chest and falls ten thousand feet. Then he gets mauled by tigers. Well, that, that I mean that's not it. And then
1: Sabretooth shows up. Oh my God, of course he does. And, why would he? And then, and then they're, they're about to duke it out, but nothing really happens after that. It's sort of anticlimactic because um, all of a sudden, Storm comes in and breaks up the fight and she takes away Logan. And Logan, he's confused as hell because um, he's still in the Mark Millar time frame or mindset where yeah. he believes that he killed all the X-Men. But um, I'm not exactly sure which... Timeline, or which universe this is? I'm pretty sure this is like Age of Apocalypse X Men. Um, so well, how
2: nineties does Storm look? I'm sorry. <laughs> how nineties does Storm look?
1: Not that nineties, actually. I don't know. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, it's hard because to tell. But um, um, uh, you'll get you'll get to, to read why I think this is Age of Apocalypse um, timeline. But anyway, so Logan wakes up. He's really confused. Um he meets a new team of x-men where apparently it's not him on a team but it's like his grandsons on the team um and he all then he runs into emma F- emma frost which he thought was dead in his timeline but in this timeline she's well alive and she's the new leader of this x-men and they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on how did how did logan end up here um and all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the worst day ever in Logan's life continues again because Sabretooth busts down the door because he, he tracked him using his scent. And so the X-Men are screwed because um, this particular Sabretooth, he's one of the four horsemen of Apocalypse. So he oh, ends- God. Yeah, <laughs> so he, he shows up with two, with, uh, two other horsemen. Uh, and Magneto, he, Magneto's in this team accident. He's like, "Oh my God, Logan, you suck! You, you let them here!" So L- Magneto throws Wolverine like, out the base, like, a two, like, and like a couple miles away. Um. And at this point, Logan's—he's just having the worst mind, mind-bendingly. He's—he's he's having a, like a, a, a really bad mind fuck because he wakes up. He like—he get, gets up. And he and in the distance, walking towards him is another, none other than Apocalypse. So he's just like, "What the hell's going on? Why? Why do I have such bad luck?" And Apocalypse is here, and he's gonna rip my face off. So
0: and, and here I thought Logan's Wars Day was when him and and Spider Man body swapped in Ultimate Spider Man.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. So Logan just doesn't cut a break here and you know um I'm kind of confused like I like uh, it's just his I don't know it, the The writing seems a little bit inconsistent on the, how um on how powerful his mutant healing factor is because I, I, I remember in the original run like it, it takes him a little bit slower to heal up but here like he's been reduced to like a skeleton after being struck by lightning and like the next panel he's fine again so um, convenient plot points, I guess. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, the art's—it's uh, very dialogue light, um, but the art just—it just grabs you and pulls you in. And it's just—it's just what one WTF moment after the other, after the other. Oh God, it's a tiger. Oh God, it's Victor Creed as a horseman. Oh God, it's apocalypse. What's going on? So, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> Logan, just like what a day. <laughs>
1: May- oh gee willikers <laughs> so awesome so Stan you got I, you got a little one
2: yeah um I want to read Old Man Logan it's been so long since I read the original um run of him and now he's getting his own like ongoing he's gonna be part of the new X-Men team after Secret Wars yeah yeah. I just really wanna like read it but yeah um my next book is Batgirl 41 now, um, I dropped Batgirl back when a few issues after the redesign, because, um, I think my reasoning was that it was, it was starting to feel a little bit too repetitive, and didn't seem that much, didn't seem too interesting, um, but now that, uh, Jim Gordon is officially Batman, this issue, um, advertised the fact that Jim Gordon Batman was going to be going after Batgirl. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. They're, you know, father and daughter. How's that going to work? Um, issue's pretty cool. Um, I think Babs is. this is the first time she's taken over the art, like, completely, 100%. And it, it's really good. And the, arts, the art style is good. I, I like the, um, the cartoony aesthetic to it, kind of. And um, it's just, my favorite part is just how Barbara interacts with, you know, Jim. And that's like some of the best moments in the comic because he comes to her house to talk to her, and first of all, she's like, "Why'd you shave your mustache?" Which is like my question: like, why would you do that? You don't have to have the mustache. I don't. I don't understand why the mustache like gets in the way of his costume. Well, you also
0: you also had the same pet peeve when uh, when Aquaman shaved his beard.
2: I'm just very pro facial hair, honestly, <laughs> um, and I, my biggest. Criticism when we saw that first episode of Gotham was like, "Where's his mustache?" <laughs> that's my—that's always my question. Whenever I pick up a book, it doesn't matter. It's like, "Where's the mustache?" Pick the mustache girl, is the source the of his power.
1: Seriously, i, yeah, I couldn't really. get over the lack of the mustache either. I was like, I—I I, I didn't even recognize it was Jim Gordon when I was reading like previews. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> the mu- mustache, you know, makes a pretty pretty bold statement about a, about a person. You know, you got a mustache. There's an, there's an episode of Inspector Gadget where he just has a mustache for no reason. <laughs> the whole the whole episode, he just has a mustache.
0: They don't address
2: it? They don't address it. Or they barely address it. And that's because Inspector Gadget had a mustache at one point. And then he didn't. Mustaches. Anyway, Batgirl. So, um, basically he comes to Barbara and he's like, I got something to tell you, I'm actually Batman. And he just, he just straight up tells Batgirl Barbara, that he's Batman, and she's like, "Oh, oh!" He's like, "Yeah, I, I had to tell you because it's a dangerous line of work, and I can't keep these secrets from my family." And then, and then Barbara—little does he know. Yeah, seriously, Barbara's like, "Well, I have something to tell you too, and you think that he, that she's going to tell him that that she's Batgirl, but she doesn't."
0: But she says that she has indigestion instead.
2: Yeah, she's like, "Never mind, I, I, it's nothing." And then he's like, okay. Which is crazy, because he he told her his secret, that he's Batman. And she just isn't telling him back, which is just crazy. Because how is that going to play out? And so later in the issue, um, there's a villain that escapes, electricity-based villain. And Batgirl can't really do anything, so Batman shows up. And to like take down this villain but the villain gets away and all that's left is Batman and Batgirl and the issue ends with Batman basically saying you're under arrest to Batgirl and that's where the issue ends so um this is the beginning of the arc and it just I'm very interested to see where, where this is going if Jim is going to find out who Barbara is that she's actually Batgirl um yeah, I may I may have to keep following Batgirl again.
0: I feel I feel if Jim is as good as Bruce Wayne is as a detective, he'll find out easily.
2: Well, that's a test, right? Like how how good is Jim as Batman? Yeah. And yeah,
0: yeah like, Batgirl's living in your house, and you don't know.
2: Well, actually, she moved out. She's 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 living in. Batgirl uh, is your
0: daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you admitted to her that you're Batman.
2: Well, so, she's been macro for a long time, and he hasn't known. I so.
1: don't give a fuck.
2: Stan, that, um, how it. old
1: is Barbara in this run? Like seventeen, eighteen? No,
2: she's. I think I, I would say she's just out of college, okay. so she's probably like early twenties in in this in this book. Um, okay, because she she just recently moved in to a different to Burnside, basically, and.
0: How the like, fuck does she have the money to be Batgirl and have a like have her own apartment?
2: Well, see, she works for like a tech company, I think, in the um in this new run. But she got the hookups from Bruce. Bruce gave her the original Batgirl oh, no, gear. Yeah, so. He's got the money. He's yeah. got it. he's got it. He's got it good. So Bruce
0: Bruce is the sugar daddy.
2: He like spreads that cash around. He's like, You want to be a vigilante? <laughs> like, here he goes. Just spreading out the money,
0: money. Uh, you fight crime, I give you money. I got two rules: you
2: fight crime, you leave me alone. With my footage. <laughs> that's it. That's that's Batman's two rules.
0: He's he's on the computer. Barbara walks in. What was my second rule? <laughs> leave me alone. Barbara,
2: footage. Get out.
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where this is going. I'm definitely going to pick up uh, Batgirl Forty Two. One of the things that I like is that Batgirl has an increase in price, like Harley has. It's still two ninety nine, as far as I remember. That's awesome. So it's still it's. Backer know, looks at bright. it for the
1: people. She she knows. She's doing it for today. you, Stan. Just for you.
2: Yeah, and that's why I might keep following it, see see where this goes. Um, and I like um, Babs, Tarzan, um, art. She does good art. So, yeah, definitely recommended. And it's good jumping on on point too, because even though it's it's forty one, it kind of like introduces the conflict between Batgirl and Batman.
0: Which is like a first.
2: Yeah. So, it's a good place to start, I think.
1: Yeah, Sounds good. Cool, cool. Nice. Chris, you're up. Alright, so Stan, me and you can tag uh, Oh my god. We can tag team uh, on this one, because he also rated to X-Men 92 Um, I read it a
2: little bit. I didn't read the whole thing, but what I did read, I liked. Yeah. So you can can take the lion's share of it.
1: Okay. Um, I guess, like, mostly everyone at our age, you know, we all grew up with the the animated X Men cartoon, 992, with the (laughs) most amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Rock it out, Stan. So, anyway, so that was the best, the best theme song ever. So, Wait, no,
2: Spider Man was kind of better.
1: Okay, <laughs> Spider
2: Man, Spider Man, radioactive <laughs> Spider Man. This is like the Karaoke Hour. <laughs>
1: yes, thank right, you, Stan. Anyway, <laughs> so when this was announced, um, I flipped out. I I was just so excited, and there's a great team going on. It's um, uh, Chris Sims and Chad Bowers on the writing team, and art by Scott Koblish. And Stan, you can attest to this. There, it is so full of '90s. It's ridiculous. Like this, it is so '90s. The the the, pa- yeah, it, the comic opens up with them. Well, it first of all, like how the the introduction is formatted. It's like the like it's how it's written how it was like the old school days like old school like in the 90s, where there's just a bunch like so much exposition like they have to go through like each of the X the current X Men team and, and name their powers and like brief bio and even the, the how the text and font is lettered and colored it looks really retro, and the issue opens up with them playing laser tag. It's awesome. <laughs>
2: the X Men at the laser tag at the mall or whatever, and it's just it's so like. If you go back and you watch the episodes of the X Men and Spider Man, it's very like ADD, where like shit's just happening so fast in the, in those shows. Chris, have you like ever gone back and tried to watch like an old episode of X
0: Men or? Spider-Man? I did. I rewatched. I, I rewatched the entire series on Netflix. Of dude, Spider-Man.
1: that's all. I I've always uh I always really started to rewatch like the first couple episodes, but like. A part of me feels like it's really dated But the other part is like I still love this And it's just It's so hilarious It's so Like I don't think it has aged very well But I don't care Because it's just It's just so Endearing And so awesome So
2: They don't take a breath in that show You you notice that? Where it's just one thing after another It's like Oh my god It's a hobgoblin Oh my god The wall blew up Oh we gotta go now Oh (laughs) Gotta go here Oh my god It's Venom that's just Spider-Man. Like, I don't... X-Men is, like, 47 characters in it, so... But, yeah, and you get that sense when you open up the first page of the X-Men book where it's just... There's so much shit going on in
1: the first pages.
2: There's, like, all the characters at once, all their bios, and they're, like, laser-tagging and stuff. It's just... It's insane, but it's, like... It's really cult, like cluttered, but like in kind of a, a good, like aesthetic way. Where it's you like, know, if
0: that book was labeled X Men, it'd be getting bad reviews.
2: Yeah, if it was just X Men, and I opened it up, and I'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" But <laughs> you you but, know exactly where you're getting into this book. So. Yeah, it's like okay, I know what I'm doing, picking this up. Like I expect this, and they give you what you expect. It's kind of like Batman sixty six. It's like I'm expecting this corny, like sound effects and like villain of the week thing. They they play up to what you expect. So it's if you pick up X-Men ninety two having the slightest memory of what the cartoon was like, then it's gonna be like a nostalgia trip. But yeah.
1: yeah. And they they really ham it up like on all the classic elements of the cartoon, like like Storm, like every time she uses her power, she has to say, say she says something really over dramatic. Like by the gods of Mother Africa, I summon the winds. So literally every time she or, or, or every time she gets hit, she she sounds like oh goddess, and she gets knocked off, and it's so funny. And then you have Gambit, where like they're they're hamming up his his Cajun accent really badly, so it's so uh, it's so funny. Um,
2: what I like about the the book is that they have like. The Fox Kids, like, cartoon censors come in. Like, whenever someone's about oh, yeah. to say something... Yeah, someone's about to say something inappropriate, and then you see a big red stamp is like, inappropriate, say this instead. It's, like, <laughs> it's a completely new word bubble. Like, they just like they put an X over what they were originally going to say. Like, if it was going to be too risky, they just put an X, and they're like, no, I actually say this. They said something like... One of the characters said something kind of sexual about the beast, about beasts, or something, and they're like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, say, say this much more tame thing instead, and it's, it's hilarious how they, they like, left that, all that stuff in.
1: Yeah, that cracked Which me up. Great. It was great. And, like, another thing they hammed up was, like, uh, the the giant rivalry between Wolverine and Cyclops. <laughs> they, they just handed up, like, like uh, they're, in reality, if this was a real thing, there was, there was no reason for them to be pissed off, but they they were just playing off of that dynamic that was really prevalent in the comic. It was just, uh... And, uh, now that I'm looking through this comic again, after you mentioned like, it's really, like, sort of... fast-paced action every single five seconds, like, you're totally right, like, the first two, three pages is, is, um, laser tag, and the next page, or next page, the Sentinels attack, and they're, like, destroying the entire laser arena. And then, um... Um, and then, and then it, and it's just, and after that, all of a sudden, oh, one of my favorite parts of the comic book is, um, uh, Senator Kelly, he's a, he's a baron of this world, and he, he rides in on this chariot with, like, a toga that, it's like Dr. Doom's cloak, and, like, the brooch is, like, a mini Dr. Doom mask, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, it's so funny, and, um, So he's like the leader of this world, Um, and uh, through Senator Kelly, we figure out more about the X-Men 92 universe, where uh, there was a giant war that broke out between the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and X-Men. The X-Men were victorious, and um, because of that, Senator or Baron Kelly, he was like, oh yeah, we can trust mutants. So the X-Men, these are cool guys, but everyone else, we're going to send them for therapy. So they send them to this, this new um, uh, facility called... Uh, see,
0: this is, this is where I see Stan's point come in, like, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So but,
2: that, in a, but in a good way. It's yeah. like, we're fighting,
1: and then they give us backstory, and then X-Men go into therapy. Pretty much. So they're sent to this research facility called Clear Mountain, um, and it's, it's a lot like Clockwork Orange... Like It's like this really Ugh. radical um, uh, psychological therapy center uh, with these experimental methods. And the school is run by Cassandra Nova. And if that name is not familiar to you, um, basically Cassandra Nova is like the evil doppelganger of Charles Xavier. So she has like super amazing psionic powers that rival Charles. Um... So, the the, the school, it, it reminds me of the faculty, like, um, the movie The Faculty, where everyone's, like, everything is too perfect, everything is going too smoothly, and there's something that's obviously wrong underneath, but the X-Men can't figure it out. But the results are, like, are presumably undeniable, because all these super bad villains of the X-Men, they're, they're totally reformed, and they're, like, the most polite um, mutants ever. Um, I liken it to that episode, and um, I don't know, it was like Superman or Justice League, but it was it was, it was that episode where Superman lobotomizes Lex Luthor um, and it creates an alternate reality where him and the Justice Lords create this dystopian society and they lobotomize everyone in, the Arkham, in the Arkham Asylum.
0: Uh, I don't know why, but the one thing I thought about was when the Flash and Lex Luthor switched places. Oh, Swishing places today. <laughs> but have you ever seen that That's a, episode? Yes, that was a one great. one of my favorite episodes. That was like the best episode ever.
2: That was pretty. I love that You're episode. you wash your hands? No. Cause I'm evil. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing. I say that all the time.
0: Mine was just when Lex was, uh. He demasks Barry. He has no idea who he is. <laughs> I have no
1: idea who this is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, it was pretty cool. So. So cassandra Nova's giving the X-Men a Tour of this facility and um, Charles Charles Xavier back at the the mansion. He's really concerned about this um, about the, the the trip the visit. So he goes he logs in into Cerebro to check check on his mutants. And then going back to this really weird jumping all over the place thing, I feel like if you don't know or haven't read like, the past, like, I don't know, like, 50 years of X-Men history, you're gonna be really lost, but, what happens, he, he goes into, well, Cerebo doesn't work, but he uses Cerebo to go, he, to create an astral proje- projection of himself, but then he goes into the astral plane, and Cassandra Nova is waiting for him, and they go into the psychic battle, but it's not really, it's not really Cassandra Nova that is in control is this entity called the Shadow King? Um, and the Shadow King in previous continuity took over Charles Xavier's body. Uh, but at this time, um, the Shadow King takes over Nova's body. And basically, he destroys Xavier in this astral plane battle. And Xavier falls out of his wheelchair and he's near kumatose. So, like, there's foam coming out of his mouth and he's mumbling to himself. And at the end, of, <laughs> at the end of the issue, um, uh, Cassandra Nova slash the Shadow King's evil plot is revealed, and um, she convinces the X Men to sit in these machines that will basically lobotomize or rearrange their minds to become like super friendly, happy, and happy <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and just like basically to mind wipe them. So the, the issue ends there. So there was, uh, now that I'm recapping this, there was, I just realized there was a lot that went on in this issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Um, but I just loved it because it was just so naughty. It was so campy. And they, they um, the thing I laughed the most at this issue, it's pretty obscure, but um, Cassandra Nova, she, in one panel... She's asking two of her aides to uh, assist the X-Men. And she says, like, Rachel, Miles, go, go see to the X-Men, see what, they ha- see what they need. And I laughed really, really hard because Rachel and Miles, um, these are two comic book writers that host uh, X-Men. Exp- um, Rachel and Miles explained the X-Men, which is which is this Fantastic X-Men podcast. So, they just made a reference to them. I I laughed so hard cuz I'm addicted to that podcast. So. Cool. A- anyway, so X-Men 92, I highly recommend it. If you love if you love the animated series, you will love this comic. Great. All
2: right. Um, my last one for this week is Civil War number 1. So, this is part of Secret Wars. This is uh, one of the battle worlds in battle world. One, one of the battle zones in battle planet, you know, thing. <laughs> anyway, so this is kind of like a what if the Civil War never ended, like the event comic, if it just kept going on for six more years. And so what happens is where the where the final battle was supposed to take place, somebody rigged the bomb to explode... And Iron Man's side is led to believe that Captain America ordered this explosion, and Captain America's side believe that Iron Man is the one who put the bomb in place. So the bomb goes off, a lot of the heroes manage to escape, but there's like huge casualties because of it. Like millions of people in New York die because of it. A lot of heroes get killed. And it sets off this chain of reaction that basically splits America into two halves. There's the West and then there's the East. And Iron Man takes control of the, the East. He becomes basically the president. They call this his half of America the Iron. And then Steve takes control of the West. He becomes general instead of Captain America. He's like General America or whatever. And he's basically the leader of the West, half of New York. And they call that half the Blue, and it's more like the Wild West. Um the White House also blows up because Norman Osborn tried to take control of the White House, but he blew up and the White House blew up. And I think they're connected because nobody knows who actually set the bomb that that started this whole nonsense and who blew up the White House, but both sides are blaming each other. And so Tony's side of America is basically very strict, very rigid. Um, The government is in control of everything. They sort of regulate all the superhumans and like their powers and they send them into training and they all kind of wear like these like iron man style suits and it's it's very safe it's very peaceful they have a lot of trade with like the rest of the world and they're it's very peaceful but the government is very like controlling of everything they're like it's like big government kind of thing and then on the west end is is thieves end, the the blue That They're calling it And it's very free It's like free, free, free You can do whatever you want So But it's kind of like The Wild West And it's like He's got um, He has his own peacekeepers And it's um, The Avengers And it's The Punishers That's all you hear It's like The Punishers will come after you If you break any laws (laughs) Because um, Frank Castle and Steve Like teamed up And so Steve is like In charge of the Avengers Which is his personal team Keepers, and then the police are basically the punishers. And Steve's got two laws in the blue, and it's basically like do good and help others. And if you break those laws, you're fucked because <laughs> the punishers will come after you. But any other than that, it's really free, and you can like use your powers however you want as long as you're using it in a so good do way. Good and yeah, help and s- so the government in Steve's realm is like really like hands off, do what you want. And Tony's is very like big government kind of kind of style. So, um, then they have, like, this big bridge in the center of America called the Divide, where people, like, are living in the center, where they they don't want either Tony's side or um, Steve's extremes. And one of the, um, the leaders of the Divide is, like, one of the women who was the mother of one of the people that blew up in the original incident that starts, um, Civil War. So she facilitates this, like, meeting between Tony and Steve after, like, six years, because they haven't seen each other since that bomb blew up. So they're finally meeting. They're trying to get some peace talks going, some negotiations to finally end the Civil War or whatever. And they go there, and Tony's, like, very aged, even though it's been, like, six years. He's got white hair because he's the president, and that's what happens. You get really stressed. And um, he's apparently in a relationship with She-Hulk, who is, like, his main, like... Advisor or something, and so they go in there together. And Steve's got Peter with him, Peter Parker, but he's the Falcon also, because because you know in civil civil in the Civil War timeline, everyone knows that he's Peter because yeah. he he unmasked and they never recon that here. So everyone knows who Peter is. So he doesn't wear a mask anymore, but he wears like the Falcon outfit, and so he's like um, Steve's main like Enforcer or whatever so they all meet up and um, Tony's like I wanna like start um, I wanna start things off right I wanna be like nice so Tony arranges to have Mary Jane and Peter's daughter show up cause they live on Iron Man's side even though Peter lives on Steve's side
0: for what reason? because
2: everyone knows that he's Peter and so everyone would be immediately targeting his, his wife and his daughter so if they stay on the Iron Man's side they're protected by the government and because it's very peaceful yeah. there, so that's why that's there. So they haven't seen each other in six years, so they come they come together, and it's like this this nice moment. And so they start having these talks, and they start like negotiating things, and like Tone Steve is like, I need more access to trade because our resources are cut off because you're controlling all of them. And he's like, I need more land because my people are like overpopulated because it's so like prosperous or whatever the fuck. So they they start they start coming to like a consensus, and then it starts to kind of break down. And then um, they all start standing up because, I don't know, I forget what's, what happens, but the talks start talk, um, coming down because they start placing blame on each other. And the woman kind of stands up and she gets shot. There's like an assassin's bullet and it's like, crack! And then she like goes down and they're like, holy shit! And Tony's like, it came from your side. But Steve's like, sends Peter off to go find where the bullet came from. And so that's when he sees wings and he's like, the Falcon, but also the Spider-Man. Yeah. So he he finds the gun and he finds out that it, that it's um, Tony's tech. So it came from Tony's side, but the gun was fired on Steve's side. So Steve's like, I don't know if you realize this, but the the way the bullet came in, that was that bullet was meant for me. So this basically happened. They basic the talks are completely broken down at this point, and they basically split up. And Tony goes off, and then Peter and Steve have to go off, and and um. Steve is completely doesn't, like, believe Tony at all. And he's like, this is it. We're going to end this civil war now. And that's basically where the comic ends, where it's like, this whole thing is escalating. We're going to, like, end it. Like, finally going to end it for war. Like, it's going to be a huge battle. But um, there's this whole thing underlying. It's like, what's actually happening? Like, who set off this bomb? Who blew up the White House? Who shot this woman? Where? You know, who is this assassin? So it's this whole, like, background stuff that's kind of like who's keeping this war going when it should end because every time you think it's going to end something happens that escalates it instead so none of the main characters like steve or tony realize what's going on yet so it's going to be inter- interesting to see how this whole thing plays out and in general it's just it's really interesting to see it as it was if it had continued all this time so it's interesting to see peter parker and his like role kind of like evolve into like this high-ranking person in, like, the military on Steve's side, and to see, like, Tony change, because he's, like, the president or whatever, so it's cool, it's, like, very political it's a very, like, politically charged, like critique on, like, the government, like, our government it seems like a, like, um like, they're critiquing, like, both Republicans and Democrats, and like how both are kind of, like, flawed it's, like, this whole, like, thing it's hasn't doesn't have a lot of superhero punching each other in the head yet, but I think they're getting to that. But as like an interesting like political thriller, it's like it's pretty cool. Um, so if you like the original Civil War, if you like that storyline, and if you want to see that play out more and kind of see this political thing play out, then I definitely recommend it. It's um it's one of the better Secret Wars tie ins, I think. Because it's, it's just got so many things going on at once that it's it's interesting. They don't really make any reference to the, the greater, like, Doctor Doom, Secret Wars shit going on. So it feels very contained. So you can kind of, like, pick it up without knowing anything else about um, Secret Wars. But, yeah.
1: It was cool. Nice. Uh, I picked up that issue, but I didn't, I didn't have a chance to read it. So I'm doubly excited now. So, thanks. All right. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, um, one last review. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, um, in the past. Uh, I'm trying to remember when, uh, the Nux and M- Mortan Joe issue came out, but anyway, it, must, it was at least like three weeks ago, uh, or maybe maybe four. I don't know. Anyway, so I have a trio of the Mad Max Fury Fury Road tie-in comics. So the first one that came out was um Nuxin and Mortan Joe. Uh the second one that came out was Furiosa and the last one uh that came or they came out last or the last one was uh Mad Max. So um Stan and I we both read Furiosa, so we can talk about that the most and I can fill in the gaps uh with the other two. So uh, Stan, what you think about Furiosa.
2: I thought it was interesting that it kind of um, shows the events directly leading into Fury Road mm-hmm. and sort of the reasons why Furiosa took the um, the wives and escaped with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My issue my issue with, with the uh, with the issue was that it seemed more about Morton Joe's wives And about Furiosa. Yeah, I definitely yeah, got that. Like she was yeah, yeah. It seemed like she was very much like a a side character to like what was going on with with the wives or whatever. Which is fine. I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing because you got to see Furiosa's kind of like change towards being like this complete hard ass to being sympathetic and wanting to get them out of there. And you kind of need that whole situation to, ha- to play out in order for her to get her ass in gear and like kind of put the events of the movie in order. Um, I just I I wish the comic was more about Furiosa's backstory, like how she became this badass. Exactly. Rather than
1: yeah, yeah what what I was thinking was um you know when I, when I, when they first teased Furiosa prequel, I was like oh my god they should do it when she's young. And she's part of the Ruvalini, and she's being trained by a bunch of badass grannies how to snipe people. And um, maybe it's like the tale of how she got kidnapped, and you know how she got inducted into um, the inner circle of Immortan Joe. Because that's 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 a a plot element that I'm really fascinated about. Like uh, she, we talked about this before in our Mad Max spoiler cast, which you should listen because it's so awesome but um, yeah. at the beginning of the movie, uh, Morten Jo uh, was um, praising Furiosa. It's like, ah, oh, behold, my Imperio- or Furiosa! And and she's clearly in, held in high esteem by Morten Joe. so she must have done a lot of screwed-up things to ha- curry her um, her favor. And I guess I don't mean to be... Like, sexist, but, um, I mean, most of the power structure, I mean, it is patriarchal and it's all basically all male based. And the fact that Fieros is a female, I mean, um, she must have done, like, way harder, harder, more gruesome, and more, like, intense stuff to get to that level, um, as a woman and just as, you know, um, just someone within the normal society of Mortanjo. And I just really wanted I mean, to see, especially
0: wh- in the society that they kind of live in, because uh, as you can see, like in Joe has many wives, which means that there's very little uh, respect for women in that that world. Yeah, exactly. And most women, so, like, they're other they're other
1: breeders, or they're or they're like they're like human cows. They're just fed come yeah. for milk. So the fact that Furiosa escaped that fate is like, whoa, what'd she do? Like, like did she like kill yeah. like a whole bunch of war boys when she was taken in and? Who, who knows? So, but um, that was that was the Furiosa tale I wanted to see. Um, but Same here. um, I mean, I I thought the issue was okay. Um, I thought they portrayed like the rape and like the sexual abuse and like much more than they needed to. I mean, like, but the movie managed to translate that. Subtext without actually having to show it on screen, and some of the stuff is really disturbing yeah. in here. Like probably like the, one of the most disturbing things I've seen in this book is um, um, Angorad the the Angorad the Splendid, like the the most favorite wife of um Joe. There's a scene where she or uh, Joe raped her, and then later she tries to give herself an abortion, and it's just like oh you you really didn't have to go there to, to pick yeah them up. um
2: like I I understand that that all that like crazy shit was stuff that Furiosa like witnessed and that was like so jarring to her that it kind of like stirred her up inside to get get them all out of there but I I didn't think it needed to be I didn't think they needed to to really like spend time on it because the movie does a really good job of letting you know that they were being mistreated. Furiosa was like, that's enough. Get them the fuck out of there. Like, you got that from the movie. You didn't really need this. We didn't have to sit there and, like, kind of, like, page by page, like, experience it, you know? Like, I I understand, but, you know.
1: And and the movie, like, uh, how it was written, like, Miller took a big risk against, like, I, I guess, like, against the studio's ex, because he, Miller trusted the audience to be smart enough to put things together, and, you know, it, it, that made the movie more fun, so, but, I don't know, uh, I mean, I had a high expectations for Furiosa, and it, it didn't quite meet it, um, but, um, I guess, I mean, I don't know, that, that was just me, I was expecting, like we said before, I was expecting, like, a story about the Vuvolini and like her childhood friend um, Megan Gale, who plays, who's going to play Wonder Woman, or was supposed to play Wonder Woman in Miller's Justice League. I just wanted to see like th- those stories, you know, just her, just and her and her family, and how she entered or Martin Joe's society.
2: So, yeah, what I, what I think is is um, what I hope is that the huge like. Support that Furiosa is getting as a character, and then all the like um... her like huge fan base that came out of Mad Max, and the fact that maybe Furiosa issues sold well enough that they might want to do an ongoing as like a Furiosa ongoing
0: because
2: mm-hmm. I think I think there'd be a lot of money to make in doing that, and, like to go through her backstory like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like this comic was written maybe like a couple months before the movie released, so I don't I don't think. Miller and the other people really realized how popular Furyosa would be, so I think that also plays into why this issue seems not as not as fulfilling or it just seem a little bit lackluster. But
2: yeah, it, it would have probably been a completely different issue if it if they didn't write it until after the movie release.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I actually, is there? There's supposed to be. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a continuation of this. Oh, no, okay. The, the, this is the only. One, th- one one. Yeah, this is the only uh, Furiosa uh, issue. Um,
2: was Max any good? I know you picked that
0: up, too. Um,
1: Max was p- pretty interesting. Um, like, it. Like, you remember we were just dis- discussing the spoiler cast, how we weren't sure if the movie was a standalone or was continuity. Or in continuity with the rest of the movies. Well, this this comic book sets it all within the same universe or same timeline. So interesting. Yeah, um, and it was also a bit of a retcon. Um, so in the big, in the in the movie, uh, we were told that there were o- wars being waged over oil, and eventually people were fighting over water. Um, so during this societal collapse was when the first movie was starting to take place. So that was when, um... Uh, the world is already going to shit, but Max was still a good cop, um, who basically got burnt out, uh, and changed, because he witnessed his wife and son get murdered by a motorcycle gang. Um, and then it goes into full-blown apocalypse, like, there's, like, nuclear bombs going everywhere, and the water's dried up everywhere, and, like, this, all the cities are dying and it, at this point it, it it's going through the entire movie of the second Mad Max Road Warrior in like two or three pages um, and then the next part the next part of the, the retcon it also sets uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome as the same timeline um, and then apparently so right after the events of Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome where once again he's stranded uh, Mad Max, he's he's out in the desert, he's trying to rebuild the Interceptor, um, and uh, it introduces a really weird plot point that I'm not sure quite yet if it works for the movie or not, but apparently uh, Mad Max, he engages in gladiatorial fights um, at Gastown um where uh which was headed by the people eater he's like the really really fat obese guy in the from the movie so max went to the gas town to engage in a gladiatorial match uh which is also thunderdome but in a new setting uh and in, and like and more more brutal rules is basically instead of one a 1v1 battle it's a giant battle royale um so uh, Max enters the contest to win a V eight engine, and it's kind of interesting because they they tried to tie it back into Beyond Thunderdome because the same, the same, arena announcer from Mad Max Three he's he's hosting this Thunderdome, but he doesn't seem to recognize Max. Um, but I don't know that that was something I found a little bit curious. Uh, so Max wins the the Thunderdome contest, um, and he's assisted by this mysterious woman who looks to me like Lucy Lawless for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So basically, the woman gives him a flare during the fight, and he sticks the flare in this giant behemoth's eye and smashes him to pieces with his own armor. Um, So he wins the engine. um, He takes it back, but then he gets mugged, uh, by the allies of the champion, he killed, and uh, they they go they take his engine, they take all his the supplies, they take his car. and left him for dead. And the end of the issue, the, the I'm gonna call her Lucy Lawless. She she just shows up and rescues him, and she makes a deal with him to uh, help her out. So, so it looks like um, this Max issue is gonna become its own ongoing, uh, leading up to whatever point. Uh, ends up being the first couple minutes of the, the of the movie uh, where he where he it's showing that he does have his car back. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, uh, that they try to link up the um, all three movies into the same universe. Um, uh, but I, th- I was I was hoping for I I, I think they're also they're. Tr- I thought I was kind of disappointed how they they rehashed the Thunderdome idea again. Um, I was looking for something fresh, but uh, fresher or something completely new. Um, but I don't know. I, I It was a decent issue. Uh, I really liked the art. And um, I'm really interested in this new angle with the Lucy Lawless character. Because I'm not sure if that will tie in to some other unexplained events in the book or in the movie how in the movie max seemed to hallucinate over and over again about a little girl uh so since this comic sets up that it is canon that he did have a wife and child i'm thinking that these series of encounters with the, with lucy lawless is going to lead into the whole b- balance of ptsd he has in the actual movie so so i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to that Um, And I I know we're running a little bit long on time, but basically for Nux and Immortan Joe, the Nux uh, prequel is really short. Basically, Nux was the child of two refugees that hung out at the base of the citadel. And one day, his dad, um, I think, went up to the citadel to curry favor with Immortan Joe and never escaped. Or never, never returned. Um and through f- sheer force of will, like, jo- uh, uh, Nux had to be maybe like three years old. Uh, one day, the platform from the Citadel descended, and Nux, um, he basically r- ran over to the... ran into the platform in search of his father, or just in search of... he. Wa- he was always told by his parents, one day we'll be up there where all the all the people are, where we have clean food, or or we have clean water and lots of food. Um, so all the other war boys were taunting him, but the, throughout the entire way up, Nux held on. So they were really impressed by this. So they took him in and made him a war boy. And that was pretty much it. Like, Nux basically doesn't get any backstory, but I guess looking back at it, there's not really much to tell. He was just indoctrinated to this severe, brutal, patriarchal society. Um, and then for Morten Joe's um, uh, storyline, basically, to cut it really short, he was a veteran of the water and oil wars, and when the world went to shit, um, he saw a chance to rise to power, that, uh, or rise to a status he never held before. So he, he grabbed a whole bunch of raiders and he made a name for himself by raping and raiding and pillaging the, uh, all of the Australian uh, uh, landscape and he built this traveling army uh, where he also meets the bullet farmer and the people eater which will become his future generals um, he encounters the citadel and for weeks on end they try to lay siege to it but without avail and then he's inspired by this old legend about a Persian general who managed to lay siege to um a a base that everyone thought was impenetrable so basically they cut someone's finger off and use it as bait to uh, uh uh to get a line of rope up on top of the citadel uh they they attached it to this monitor lizard and so they attached the rope to the lizard the lizard used the bait, crawled all the way to the top. And then at night, under the cover of night, um, Immortan Joe and a bunch of his elite soldiers, they climbed the citadel. They ambushed and flanked the defenders. And after three days of fighting, everyone thought Immortanjo Joe was, was dead because everyone else in his war party died, but he emerged victorious. So that became the start of the, of the legend of Immortanjo. And then it fast forwards. It shows how he built his empire, uh, on how he uses, how he starts the the bullet farm and the and gas town, and how he consolidated his power. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it's all the same artist, I, I believe. Or I the one thing I love about this is, is the art's in, really incredible. It's really gritty. It's um. Um, it really fits the the visual tone of the movie, and another interesting I th- I thought or interesting point um, was all these stories are being told um, as if they already happened. So the narrator, he's this old man with all this script uh, like cut and tattooed to his body, and uh, it's it's not it's unclear how far in the future this takes place but it's definitely after the the events of the movie. Um, so I'm I'm trying to see if eventually there's going to be like another spin-off copy or spin-off movie which will try to tell the events of what happened after Fury Road. So, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, that was it for Mad Max. Nice.
2: Yeah. All right, guys, you want to do the listener questions and then wrap? Uh yeah. yeah. All right. So, Chris, do you want to read the listener questions?
1: Yeah, just let me pull it up on the Super Nerd Pals page, which all of you should 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 join and post.
2: Please join our Facebook group. Join joins the Facebook Facebook slash Super Nerd Pals.
0: Super slash Facebook. Indeed.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. No, don't do that one. All right, hold on for a sec. My internet's acting a little bit slow. Okay, there we go. No, no, no. Internet, no, don't die on me. Don't die, of me.
0: <laughs>
1: don't die of me. Okay, where is it? No. Where are you, questions? I can't find you. Oh my. Um,
0: click on the pin.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Haha.
0: <laughs> there we go. Pin post.
1: There you go. we go. Okay. I've
2: never had listener questions before, so. <laughs> yeah, this is the first
1: time. This is pretty exciting. All right, so this first question is, fo- is from my friend, Benjamin Mullen. Um, he's also a podcaster. Um, he does a bunch of podcasts about being a dad. So you could check him out or check out his shows. One of them is called um, Dad on the Mic. And the other one is called the Popping Bottles Podcast. Um, and me and him go way back. We knew each other since I think we were like 15 years old, so we, we, we go back a long way. Anyway, so this this question is from Ben, and he asks, do you think Marvel will venture into filming Secret Wars and who would be best to play Doctor Doom? My money is on John Hamm. So, stay on with those of you, since you're the, the Doctor Doom expert here. Uh, what are your thoughts?
0: I would call
2: myself an expert, but, um... As for the Secret Wars part, I feel like that's that might be a logical place to go if they decide to continue the Marvel movies past the Infinity Wars. Um, they could even tie it into like maybe Thanos completely obliterates the universe with the Infinity Gauntlet, and maybe gets remade by Doom into Battle World for the Secret Wars. Um, but the thing is, is are, are we all going to get tired of fucking superhero movies at that point? Because it's starting to get that way. I feel like I'm tired. I fucking love superhero movies. I love superhero shit. But I'm tired of these movies too. At the same time. Um, I never really considered who would play Doctor Doom. Because he's a mask. So literally anyone with a cool voice. And a, and a command of the screen. Could be Doctor Doom pretty well. John Hamm would be pretty cool. Because he's handsome as shit. So I would see him as a pre... Doctor Doom, like Victor Von Doom, and I, I would consider it maybe kind of like a Darth Vader thing, where you would have a different actor play him, but then you have somebody do Doom's like voiceover once it's actually Doom, you know. So it'd be like John Hamm would be Victor Von Doom, and then Doctor Doom would be like James Earl Jones. Yeah. I. So, it's. I think it's possible.
1: I want Michael Ironside to voice um, Doctor Doom. Uh, he does great work. He's done like Dark Side and um, Frank Miller Batman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's my vote for Doctor Doom's voice. Um, Andy, I don't really
0: have someone that I can think of to fit for Doctor Doom's voice. Uh, like you said, as long as they have like this cool, like dark kind of commanding voice, yeah, it'd be pretty badass.
2: You know, how about um. What's his name? The guy who plays Jim Gordon in Arkham Knight. Honestly, I would. Oh, think Mike that the guy
0: that yeah. plays the cleaner. Yeah. Uh, the guy that plays um, that plays Ultron, uh, James Spader. James Spader. I think he would yeah. be a great voice for Doctor Doom.
2: Bryan Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah. <laughs> Bryan.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, I could go with all. Aaron that. Paul. No. <laughs> yeah. Not Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. <laughs> He just adds Vin Diesel. He's, he's
0: gonna be there. Fantastic Four, bitch!
2: <laughs> no, you would have Vin Diesel
0: as Dunk Diesel. Vin. He's like, I am Doom. What about the Rock? No. <laughs> Why are you shooting down my ideas? No, not the Rock. Go away, Stan.
2: Rock is too charismatic. <laughs> I don't think the Rock would be good as as Doom because he's too mugging. You know, he like mugs at the camera a lot. He's, he's Dwayne Johnson. You know, It's true. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do good with a mask on his face. You need that pretty, like... That pretty face on screen for everyone to look at. Okay. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, yeah. so, uh, next you, question? No, but or wait. You wanna... what,
2: do you think the Secret Wars movie is, like, a viable
0: thing? Probably not. No? Maybe as, like, a mini series TV show or something. Yeah. Uh, but... But as
1: for a movie, maybe not. I I don't think so either, cause just cause of the, all the rights issues. Like like to do it justice, you need all the X Men and Fantastic Four and and you know I I mean I I mean so they Marvel pulled it off with Sony to get Spider Man, but I don't know if you know Fox will come to the table and the rest of Sony will come to the table for the rest of their. I mean
0: Disney will just. Put a fucking sack of money on the table and be like, "Yeah, you gotta imagine like, it. It,
2: this is like the house of Mickey Mouse, man. They got they got those bags of cash. If if it, if it'll make them money, I'm sure they'll find a way, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park. They'll find a way. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So. All right, next question. Thanks, thanks, Ben. For submitting our very first listener question. Yeah, we really
1: appreciate Ben and uh, check out his podcast. Uh, it's really great. All right, so we have our second question by Luis Rebeldo. And he asks How do you feel about cross media? Do you feel it's harmful to a franchise when the player needs to continue the story in a comic slash novel form, or does it open new opportunities? Tough yeah. Uh,
2: Chris, do you want to be the
1: first? Um, what are your thoughts? See, the, the example I, or the, I guess the anecdote I'm thinking of is like uh, Batman Arkham Knight, where yeah. you have the main Arkham video games, and then you have Gotham Knight, the anime. Which takes place? No, I'm sorry. Assault on Arkham Asylum. Um, it's it's the yeah. animated movie that came out maybe last year, uh, which features the Suicide Squad, and then you also have the all the tie-in comics. So you have um, Arkham Unhinged, or I think Ar- yeah, I think Arkham Unhinged is, is canon. If I if I'm wrong, you can yell at me. But I know they also have like they have comics in between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City and then Arkham City and Arkham Knight. Um, I don't think the cross media is harmful. I only th- I think it's if it's handled right, it can only enhance the experience or just give you an additional layer of connectivity between the two. Um I don't. I I think it, it can only enhance the experience. I uh, I don't think it'll do harm. Um, unless unless it's treated so horribly where there's clear clashing continuity errors and you know uh, and you're not really sure which one is really canon or not. So as long as everything fits in and they have like a good editorial oversight on it, I think I think it, it doesn't hurt at all. So how about you guys?
0: Uh for me, I kind of feel like it's the whole Mad Max situation mm-hmm. where like they have the the prequel comics that you were talking about earlier, yeah. and uh, how like some of them did really well and then others both of you didn't like and then like I feel like it could go either way. It depends on who's who's leading the charge and if they know what they want to do with it so yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it's it depends. like you were saying it depends on how it's handled right you have if you have a situation where the games are standing on their own and then everything else is kind of supplemental like if you want to go deeper into that world you can and there's like different opportunities for you to do that it doesn't require you to play a full another game like if you want to like learn the backstories of what happens between the arkham games you can but it's not necessary to enjoy the Arkham games. Because I've never read any of the Arkham comics, just played the games, and I have no problem consuming the story and understanding everything that's going on. Um, I find that happens with a lot of things. Like the tomb- There's the Tomb Raider game that just came out, and then there's the comic, the ongoing, that kind of takes place immediately after, I think. And I, I doubt that it's going to have any impact on the second Tomb Raider game. And I think it just serves as to give you more of that character and more of that version of Tomb Raider if you want. Um, Where it runs into a problem if it becomes something like DC's way of handling crossovers where you have to buy every single Superman book to get the Superman crossover. Or even what they're doing with Darth Vader coming up which I'm very excited for the Darth Vader ongoing, but you have to follow both Vader and Star Wars to get the whole story. So if it kind of ropes you in and like kind of kidnaps you into experiencing the whole story in that way where you need it to get the whole story then I don't think that's how it should be done I think it should be done more of a sense of the Injustice comic book too especially where it's like you don't have to read the book to get the story of Injustice but the book is really fucking good on it's own where you can kind of consume either or and still get a good solid story out of it so if you combine the two, then obviously you're going to get the best telling of the story. But you get a good sense either way. So it should be it should work together and as supplemental, rather than force you to have all them all the parts to the puzzle. You know, that's what I think. All
1: right, cool, good answers, guys. So uh, thanks, Louise. Thank you for uh, submitting our question or submitting that question to our Super Nerd Pals Facebook and if you have any further questions um, uh, you can log on log on, and uh, submit questions on our Super Nerd Pals page or you can also tweet at us and uh, next week hopefully we'll have some more questions to answer for you guys
2: yeah, thank, thank you so much for taking the time to ask us the questions and definitely join the Facebook group and you can be part of future interactions eventually you know You can also ask us questions on our Twitter at SuperNerdPals. We don't have a lot of followers, so follow us and tweet your questions. And we'll be eventually we'll have enough people at the point where we can take questions anywhere. But yeah, definitely uh, join and get in on it. Get in on it.
0: Yep. And I guess that's a wrap for this week's show. Uh, Thought it was going to be short, but it actually ran up running. It never works. Really (laughs) long. Never works that way. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals. Um, You can get us all at our personal Twitters. Mine is at uh, Sweet Justice One. Stan is at Stan Doom, and then Chris, you can get him at Ko Ninja for Hire. Make
2: sure you guys um, listen to us. And if you listen to us and you like what we're talking about, and you should if you made it this far into the show, I think it's safe to say <laughs> that you enjoy the things that are coming out of our faces. Um, please definitely give us a high rating on iTunes so more people can find us and laugh at how stupid we are. And Share us
0: to a friend who you think is into this yeah, stuff.
2: Give us a good rating, tell your friends, help your friends and do good. Otherwise... Steve,
0: Steve uh, Rogers is going to send uh, his
2: fucking punishes after you.
1: Yeah. I think you're going to have a really bad day. You're going to fall off a wall and get attacked by a tiger. And I you mean, know. you might turn into Old Man Logan on a bad day. Or, or none of those
2: things will happen. But just in case, you might want to <laughs> give us a good rating and tell your friend... Just so you don't have an old man Logan kind of day, you know, because nobody wants that. And nobody wants the Punishers to come after them. I don't know who the Punishers are yet. There is no Civil War (laughs) issue, too. But when we do find out, it's probably not going to be pretty. (laughs) But thank you guys for listening, and tune in
0: next week.
1: See you guys. Bye, guys.